Oh, to live on Conspiracy Mountain with the second shooters and the colored revolutions. You can't be 27 on Conspiracy Mountain. And you're dreaming that you're leaving the flat earth too soon. You're leaving to go to the moon. There's aliens at the fair, but all the cults are there. And the pineal gland you had, and some dragons, and your dad. Oh, to live on, Conspiracy Mountain, with the second shooters and the colored revolutions. You can't be 27 on Conspiracy Mountain, and you're dreaming that you're leaving the flat earth too soon. You're leaving to go to the moon. There's a girl being eaten in the aisle. Oh, turn to Hillary and see her smile. You can read the confession she wrote as the moon plays its hollow note. Oh, to live on Conspiracy Mountain with the second shooters and the colored revolutions. You can't be 27 on Conspiracy Mountain. And you're dreaming that you're leaving the flat earth too soon. You're leaving to go to the moon. Now you're underneath the spells and you're giving JFK some glares to go with the Maya that you met over the ice wall for a cigarette. Oh, to live on Conspiracy Mountain with the second shooters and the colored revolutions. You can't be 27 on Conspiracy Mountain. And you're dreaming that you're leaving the flat earth too soon. You're leaving to go to the moon. Now J. Edgar Hoover watches your home. Because you can never be alone. Ain't it terrifying how you feel when you find out frazzle drip is real oh to live on conspiracy mountain with the second shooters and the colored revolutions you can't be 27 on conspiracy mountain and you're dreaming that you're leaving the flat earth too soon You're leaving to go to the moon. You are listening to The New Prisoners. A copy of each week's monologue and source list are available on our Minds page and Substack. Check out our video content on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brighteon. For audio versions, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many others. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you find us and join the conversation by leaving your comments wherever you can. You can follow The New Prisoners and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Instagram and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Gab or at New Prisoner 6 on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest, please email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com 
and provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. You can now donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support with a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe store where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. You can also donate both US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Now let's get on with the show. Okay, I'm number six, and this is the New Prisoners Podcast, and I'm here with John Henry and Chris Graves. Uh, And on this week's show, we're going to be talking about rock and roll and conspiracies. This is going to be an awesome special for you all. Um, Now, what we're going to be talking about today, though, we're going to be talking about our journeys from music to getting into conspiracies. Uh, We have an amazing source list uh, this week for you all. Um, Thanks to our good friend Chris here. Um, We're going to get to some of our favorite articles from that. Also, we're going to be talking about some of our surprise favorites from that list, too. There were a lot of shockers that... uh, Woo! Yeah, something's going to light some of you guys up tonight, I hope. And then um, also, uh, we're going to finish this off with uh, John Henry. He's going to host what we were going to call the Ride the Lightning Round. But uh, before we get to that stuff or any of those stories, uh, John Henry, would you like to say hello to the people this week? Hot damn, welcome back to the end of the world. Just got my tinfoil hat on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Appreciate Chris being on tonight. And, uh, you know, guys, this is just sometimes in, in the world and, and the amount of stress and, you know, that it not only just exists externally, but we put on ourselves. It's important to uh, let let your hair down just a little bit. Let that ponytail out. And that's, uh, you know, the whole goal, man. We're going to have a lot of fun. Chris really uh, provided us with some extraordinary information. So, you know, we're going to talk about conspiracies. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about those two things clashing in the middle. Uh, so it just should be fun, man. So I hope everybody really enjoys this conversation, uh, you know, because I'm certainly looking a lot forward to it. All right. And then, uh, Chris, do you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Tell them a little bit about yourself and what you do here. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm Chris Graves. Uh, Well, basically, I started uh, sending research to uh, the author, Donald Jeffries, and he started putting it in in, uh, a bunch of his books. And basically from there i mean i've always been kind of into into conspiracies like with ufos back in the day i uh, researched kurt cobain's death pretty extensively uh and then when 9-11 happened that was like the granddaddy of them all well not the granddaddy that would be jfk i guess but for my generation it would be the uh conspiracy to you know to end all conspiracies so i've been pretty much uh you know and on the the music side of things you know i've been a big fan of uh, the beatles and grunge and punk metal uh, metallica was my first concert uh i love alice in chains and nirvana um basically yeah so anything that doesn't make sense uh 
I like to question. I and I like to get to the truth. And now through the people that uh, I work with and and know, I'm able to kind of uh, kind of do that. You know, I'm still kind of under the radar, which is which is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm honored to be here, and uh, I hope uh, I hope uh, I didn't inundate you with too many oh no <laughs> oh no i was i was gonna say um you know just to our audience and uh chris you and i were having this conversation before john henry joined us so for him and for everybody um i had a conversation earlier with uh, a good friend of mine and we were talking about the type of show that we we're going to do tonight and i was telling him that how how you know sort of different it might be because of the subject matter and everything but what I was really most excited about was, Chris, is working with someone like yourself, because I, I told that person, I was like, imagine if you could take someone that's really good at finding information and just point them at something like a laser, you know, and just yeah. getting back all the information, you know, that you need to, to sort of uh, build a better picture of something. And uh, I know that you do that for Don Jeffries, and I, and I understand now <laughs> more more so uh, why he's so appreciative of your work because like you were able to send us an incredible stack of articles, videos, uh, podcasts, and different sources, um, and you all can go and grab those before we uh, get too far ahead here. And just to remind the audience too, um, if you go on to Substack.com. And look for number six here, uh, or go onto the new prisoner number six dot substack dot com. Um, you can find all that stuff. And each week we post our source list and monologue. Actually, people kind of like my monologues too, which I really appreciate. But um, the source list is an awesome thing because when you go to it, you can just find uh, the particular. Uh, topic or whatever story that we were covering and you have all the links to all the articles that we read on the show right there and that's so cool because when you have a conversation with a friend like you're gonna you know maybe have a conversation with about this and you're gonna be like well they talked about this thing with Kurt Cobain or something like that and man uh do, do you believe that and like the other person that you're talking to is like no that sounds crazy you're gonna be able to send them the articles now like you're gonna be able to send them a fucking stack of articles now too and that, that, that's so awesome because like when in the, in the history of the world were you able to really do that? And I've had conversation, and I told Chris this too off air, John Henry, like, and, and you know, I, I've lost friends because of conversations like that, where you, it's just my word versus theirs, and you don't have the information in front of you. This makes it so much easier in life where you can just, you yourself can pull up and remind yourself of things. I forget shit all the time. Like having having the articles in front of me here on the show and being able to show you all this stuff, you all are doing the research with us. That's why I, I like our format because I can involve you, the audience, you listening right now can read these things and then you can comment, you can get back to us, you can correct us if necessary. In fact, I fucked up and I said last week that it was Michael Wallace conducting that interview with uh, Francis Collins on Fox News. Um, that would have been fucked up because Mike Wallace is dead. <laughs> He's been dead for a long time. Now, it would have been a better interview than Chris Wallace's interview, of course, because Chris Wallace sucks a bag of dicks. But, you know, Mike, Mike Wallace's rotting corpse sitting there on Fox News did not occur. I just want to let everybody know that that didn't happen. I would pay to, I would pay to watch that. Oh, though. yeah. I'd, fucking in, I'd be in on that pay-per-view, too. <laughs> but uh, uh, before we go any further, though, with any other stories or any other of my ramblings, John Henry, you told us before you had uh, some questions for us. Yeah, well, I just want to open it up, man. You know, I was uh, really looking forward to this conversation. 
and I was, uh, you know, as I was kind of going through it, thinking about topics that we want to discuss and how these things all integrate, I, I just want to kind of throw something at you guys and see what your thoughts are on it. Because, man, I, I hit a giant wall stamped fucking irony as I was thinking through our show tonight. And here's what it is. So let's go back to uh, 1980s heavy metal, right? Um, you know, whether it's glam, whether it's uh, black metal, right? Bands like Mayhem, um, Emperor, right? There was a lot of satanic symbolism and visuals, right? There was a lot of upside down crosses and corpse paint. And even, you know, some of those bands participated in burning some churches over in Europe. Um, so there was a, a lot of like evil satanic undertones, Right. And that's what it was to be a, you know, black metal guy, metal guy, gal, whatever it may be. Now, all the way to the point, if you guys recall the debate between Tipper Gore <laughs> and D. Snyder yep. about that. Right. So how does it make you guys feel that the progressives these days make the metal heads of the 80s black metal guys look like a bunch of bitches? Because here's the difference. <laughs> Those guys had satanic symbolisms. These motherfuckers are in a satanic cabal. <laughs> and where those guys, you know, you know, you think like, you know, um, uh, you know, like cannibal corpse and those visuals. These fuckers kill millions of babies every year. They destroy church as a whole and fight against that. So to me, the progressives now, these guys are way more fucking evil than the metal guys were back in the 80s. So progressive is the new black metal. That's what I want to open it with and get your opinions on that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I, do you mind if I go first, Chris? Go ahead, sure. Go ahead. Right ahead. Okay. Um, I love that you brought up the satanic panic in this, Sean Henry, because we actually yeah. do have some articles in this uh stack of articles here for the source list this week that do talk about uh, some of like the backwards listening uh, types of things and, and like those types of conspiracies. And, and I like that type of stuff because so much of what we know about our government, there's so many things that they do, the subtle little things to kind of um, propagandize us, you know, the hidden, yep. the hidden messages uh, that have been put into things um, their infiltration into entertainment we're going to talk about. So when you talk about like the, um, the Tipper Gores of the world and those panels and, and stuff like when D Snyder uh, showed up in, 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 in jeans and a t-shirt, right. Uh, and showed up and represented us, the metal heads, right. Well, not, maybe not so much anymore because of his positions on COVID and the shots. That's, that's a whole other thing we might get into in this conversation, but um for me, it's always been the establishment playbook to stifle and choke out information. Um, so whenever you have like uh, conservatives in the 80s and early 90s going after heavy metal, and now you have like it's almost like an ultra conservatism of the left, is that all, yeah. all of it basically it's like horseshoe theory. Like you're gonna you're gonna see the both sides of the coin have the same attributes in that. Uh, regard where they they're both capable of unbelievable censorship and hypocrisy and if they're in control of the establishment they're just going to do what establishment does which is destroy people's lives i mean i i don't i couldn't even tell you now how many people i've been fortunate enough to meet really uh through doing this show 
that have had their lives destroyed by the establishment in one way or another. And, and just like to, to apply that to music and what it's done to music too. Um, I would say that the, the progressives in, in black metal, if, if you wanted to compare the two, uh, I would say that the, the original black metal uh, people were, were sort of rebels and they were, it, it was, it was, I would, mm, I would strain myself these days to say that maybe it was an organic movement, but we have a hard time telling that we're definitely going to talk about that topic tonight. Um, but, and you know, one of the reasons that I, I asked like that Tipper Gore as an example is the irony is the role that fucking Al Gore plays and the circles that he's in. Yeah. So were they trying to stifle that? Because that would give people flags to look for, <laughs> like them burning effigies at the fucking Bohemian Grove. And oh yeah, oh, no, no I'm, I'm actually glad you brought up Bohemian Grove too, because that'll there'll be a great uh, transition to, to Chris in a second here too. Uh, but because uh, I know he knows about that shit. But um, w- when it comes down to it, though, just to finish out my point about it, though, is that I, I, I don't know if I would compare them that much to the black metal musicians. But when you talk about the sort of motif that the black metal musicians all use the satanic imagery and the corpse paint and everything i would not be shocked to see um you know just nancy pelosi come up to a podium wearing corpse paint and then just like <laughs> drinking uh you know baby's blood out of a ram's horn and and nobody would say shit about it these days except for people like us everybody else would be like oh yeah this this is just what they do you know, they, they they came out in Kentaclaus, didn't they? They came out dressed up for George Floyd in these 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 abstract, really crazy costumes that didn't even make sense. That's really. right. <laughs> That's right. You know? yeah. So, I mean, if they came out with like black studs and stuff like that on too. Now, I'd be pissed off because they bitch about cultural appropriation all the time. And don't you dare take our metalhead shit and make it stupid. <laughs> like, I don't like that at all. <laughs> you know, I, I still, I still want corpse paint and black studs to meet you uh, and with the studs on the metal stud stuff uh, to mean something. Um, I don't want other people co-opting it. So when you see like people like Rihanna wearing t-shirts, uh, you know, for bands and shit like that, that cost them, you know, $300 from a vintage shop somewhere uh, with a band that they've never listened to like Slayer. <laughs> Slayer. Yeah. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I get, I, I shouldn't get kind of mad at that stuff. Cause there's so many other things going on in the world that I should probably be more mad about, but it's still, it's, it, it's the same it, it, when they talk about how culture drips down from politics, uh, you know, right. That politics being dr- downstream from it or something like that. Um, Whenever you see that kind of appropriation happening in culture, it's bound to happen in politics. So, yeah, it, it, we're probably just uh, since it's further downstream, you know, arguably, uh, and this is an abstract thing, of course. But yeah, since it's further downstream, yeah, give it a couple months. You know, maybe after the midterms, then all the Dems are just come out in corpse paint. <laughs> so I'll leave it there. <laughs> but Chris, what, what do you th- what do you think of the the modern Democrats and Satanism and being part of a Satanist uh, cult? <laughs> well, I'll I'll bring it back to um, I have a friend that went to Columbine High School, and she survived that day. And what it reminds me of is when Al Gore came to the memorial a few days later, dressed in a uh, black trench coat. That's all you really need to to know about Al Gore. Is that your friend you know? Jennifer, Chris? Yeah, Jen Thompson. Jen Thompson. Yeah, the fact that he would show up wearing uh, a black trench coat to the memorial of the Columbine High School massacre. 
I don't know. Actually, it speaks volumes to me. So the fact that Tipper Gore, the, the whole thing with Tipper Gore in the 80s was kind of a, it was just a joke. I mean, I thought D. Snyder like came in like a boss. Like he, he had the jeans, the t-shirt, but then he spoke like a lawyer almost, you know, and he actually proved the point with censorship and everything. <laughs> I, you know, you, you could see the reaction on their faces too on the panel. Like when he started making sense, <laughs> it was almost like they were hoping he was going to, you know, open his mouth and just, you know, start, swearing or something you know or uh you know the stereotypical you know you know drunk rocker or something you know what i mean like uh for me, not to be anti-semitic but considering he's jewish you know he had an uncle or somebody help him get out in for that because he sounded like a lawyer that's what i mean yeah yeah he did a great job yeah and uh, it, it it blew me away when i i've seen the video over and over again over the years and uh the fact that you know he he made the points that he made just kind of, it kind of like threw it back in the faces like that. The whole, their whole investigation into, uh, you know, the music corrupting, you know, corrupting the, the kids of the eighties and everything was kind of a, a bullshit thing to begin with. And, uh, you had the satanic panic, which they ended up coming up with a, uh, a syndrome, that wasn't actually a real syndrome called um, false memory syndrome just to uh, to kind of discredit uh, actual, you know, molestation victims and and rape victims. And it was kind of it was not kind of it was flat out disgraceful. So and then you hear all these things about like with the uh, the Franklin, you know, Franklin's credit scandal where there's pedophile rings, you know, uh, what was it? Call boy, call boys. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the the male prostitutes in the White House during uh, Poppy Bush's uh, administration. You hear all these things, and then even up to now with Pizzagate and everything, it doesn't surprise me at all. Especially when you got someone like John Podesta and his brother having all these uh, all this artwork in his home of like you know cannibalism, and you know there's you know. I don't want to say flat out uh, that, you know, he, he, it seems like he might be into the, uh, the children, you know, the, the brothers uh, Podesta. It, it seems that way. Am I making any sense? At oh, all? No, absolutely. We know exactly what you're talking about. Total the Pizzagate stuff has been huge in alternative circles. And just for those of you that are not familiar, there is a huge deal around this Pizzagate thing it, that ended up something um, happening in real life, right? Uh, where it yep. was an internet sort of story or conspiracy going around. And then what the media did was they tried to say that this guy bought into the conspiracy and showed up there with a shotgun to save the kids and shot the shotgun like into the ceiling or something like that. Now, all the while, you have to remind yourself that this is the same media that's being accused of covering up said you know, satanic pedophile ring. So are we going to trust their story as to this is exactly what happened with this guy with the shotgun? Um, and, and also the way that they use things in the past. And I'm sure Chris, you could probably speak to this a little bit. Um, the way that they've used like Oklahoma city, uh, <laughs> and, and several yeah. other instances in the United States to say, Oh, if you're if you're thinking about these things, 
You know, if you're reading these conspiracies, if you're talking about these subjects online, then you are a domestic terrorist. Well, these are the same people that are suppressing the information on Hunter Biden's laptop with him yes. and clearly underage women. Yes. yes. Yeah. Same people at every level, the highest level of government and security. They're suppressing that information. So, of course, they'll protect these fuckers at all costs. It's disgusting. And potentially more than just uh, child uh, pornography as well. It could be yep. snuff, snuff material. Oh, well, there's uh, there's an entry in this uh, week's source list that does talk about that, too. And man, that was uh, that's definitely in my mind blowers fucking column. We might get to that in a second. But uh, well, can I just go back real quick to the uh, the Pizzagate? Thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Something I, something I found for Don. Uh, I don't think it's going to be in Hidden History 3, but I think it's going to be in his fourth one. Uh, just because there's only so many pages that he can have in one book. So I can imagine. Um, <laughs> I think Pizzagate he's going into, with, especially with the Sandy Hook and, and all the shootings and everything, that's going to be in the fourth book. But I was able to find uh, out some pretty curious things about the Pizzagate guy, the guy that you mentioned that, you know, walked in, he, he shot around and into the ceiling and all that. Well, I found out that he actually has an IMDB page, and so does his father. And I think his father worked for uh, Reagan, I believe. I could be wrong, but going by memory right now. Um, yeah, so that guy, he has some questionable, you know, things in his background as, as well. So, oh, well, isn't there I a can, wonderful connection? And you did send me some articles, Chris. I didn't, I did not include them because, uh, I wanted to keep things like to the musical end, but just to let yeah, people know, you yeah. did send me a couple articles about the influence and we'll talk about some of it, um, tonight though, because it all, it all does connect as we talk about here on the show a lot, right, John Henry? Um, but, uh, Hollywood. Hollywood yeah. being involved in the overall narrative of what we understand of history in particularly. So what's beautiful is like having someone like you on the show that does you know, research that does the due diligence and looks into these things is that you can point out not only the connections that Hollywood um, has, you know, to some of these people, but then also that leads into another type of, I'd say conspiracy theory term, right? Uh, they, some people have yeah. used in the past called crisis actors. Yeah. <laughs> now we're not <laughs> saying that exist. this guy was a crisis they, actor, right? Cause I no, think crisis not, actors are saying, different application, yeah. but he would be provocateur of maybe of some sort. Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off. Sorry. No, it's yeah. okay. I mean, I, I was just going to say like, I don't know the exact term of what you would call that person then. Like if it, if it is a work of sorts, right. If it is a, uh, a sort of a conspiracy that this guy was involved um, somewhat in this because of his connections through military and through Hollywood or anything else that that's out there. Um, I, I, I know that there's other terms thrown around there called uh, agent provocateurs. I don't know if that would apply, but maybe somebody in the audience yeah. can help me out with that, the right term for that person. But we, to even think about somebody doing that these days, like that's no problem for me to imagine because like of so many of the stories that John Henry and I have talked about on this show, and the few months that we've been doing this show, mind you, um, we have uncovered, I, I will say this, I, I'm not blackpilled. I'm not like, I don't, I haven't given up all hope yet, but like whenever it yeah. comes to like taking shit for granted anymore, <laughs> dude, yeah. I will never, I will never look at any story. I will never look at anything that I've read in the news or anything that somebody that tells me about something that happened like this and just take it at face value anymore. 
And, and and that's why I appreciate what you do, man. Because like, if people do that right, they can get a really bad idea of what of what history is, and they can act upon right. it too. And when you act upon bad intelligence, that 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 could lead to some massive fuck ups. I mean, do, do I have to bring up yeah. the Iraq War? <laughs> <laughs> if you act on bad intelligence, you are fucking up. So we 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 here at the show, like we don't want to misinform people. Uh, you know, we want to give them as much yeah. information as possible. But then also when it comes to like speculative things, like because it's not like we can just waltz down to the local office and be like, hey, give me all the documentation that you have on uh the, the Pizzagate shooter guy. <laughs> you know, they just don't have that shit at the ready at the Library of Congress for us, right? Like, we have to rely upon people like yourself and other researchers and other friends of yours, right? The the people that work for uh, great writers like Don Jeffries and others that give a fuck about, you know, the real history of the world and, and would want to even put their ass on the line to put something like that out there, you know, when it comes to the concept. Because I'm, I'm sure that, that that brings some heat to Don, too, when he talks about things like pizza. He goes, oh, you can't talk about that. That's a conspiracy theory. Well, yeah, yeah that's that's what they tell you. So you stop thinking and talking, right? <laughs> well, see, the I don't. Uh, the only reason I bring that that little tidbit up is just not to say that he was a crisis actor or uh, a provocateur or anything like yeah. that, but just just something that is stood out to me. And it's funny that you say like to go request documents and everything. All I did was put the, the suspect's name into the uh, search and his IMDb page came up like right away. So <laughs> it was on the surface they, they weren't even hiding it. And the fact that his father too had an IMDb page and this whole thing about how he worked, I believe it was the Reagan administration. I think that's what it was. And I think he had some kind of position that um, was about uh, regulating fire firearms, I believe. Like it's not in front of me, but from my memory, which I think it was like six months ago, I found this stuff. Wow. But I'm not, that's not to say that, you know, he, you know, I think the guy, I mean, I because I actually had an article I pulled up where it said that the cops uncuffed this guy and were just like shooting the shit with him. Like, and I guess there were pictures taken. And I found that to be kind of odd, too. If this is your suspect that just walked in and started firing and everything. I mean, there may be innocent, you know, reasons for taking the cuffs off that I don't know. I don't know what the, the police procedure would be in that that situation. But I think, you know, I don't want to say Patsy, but I think he was like a dupe, you know, kind of like uh, parts of, you know, and I'll get, I'll probably get a lot of heat for this, but like with the Sandy Hook thing, I think that was used to kind of lure researchers and, and conspiracy theorists in to kind of trap them too. I mean, when you got these videos of, you know, family members, you know, laughing and things like that and, you know, not acting the way that, you know, traumatized families necessarily would i mean it's possible but it just it kind of has like a truman show twilight zone aspect to it oh yeah we, we talk about like that all we, the time on the show yes. <laughs> when it talks about our modern yeah. reality and the way it's portrayed to us i feel like it's put that it, it was put that way for a reason to kind of um to rile up the conspiracy theorists you know and then i mean look what happened like you can't even question 
anything about Sandy Hook without, you know, threats of lawsuits now, like just for asking a question, you know, not even defaming anybody, just asking, hey, that seems kind of weird or that's that's out of place. Like, what's the deal with that? Like, you could be sued now. Like yeah. for defamation, just for, you know, just a question. You're not even accusing anybody. Well, that's law fair. <laughs> and if, yes, and if they're actually. doing this to coordinate some sort of gun control thing, of course they would go after any uh, dissidents, you know, through lawfare. I mean, that's that's what the establishment always does. They always well, I think it goes beyond the gun control thing too. I think that is part of the agenda. But there's a researcher that uh, years ago, I mean, passed away now under mysterious circumstances in my in my opinion. But I really looked up to him, a guy named Dave McGowan. And, you know, he was saying that a lot of these, you know, incidents like Columbine or even the JFK assassination were really about trauma-based mind control. You kind of keep people in line, like uh, the population. When you say that, of course, eyes are going to roll. No, I'm 100% behind that. I am 100% behind that because we have done stories about these um, these, uh, ESSER funds in schools. And what's yes. what's crazy is these are COVID tied funds. And shout out to my friend Ryan Luther from Hawaii, uh, who's out there fighting the good fight for this. Um, but in these ESSER funds, they have like these psychological testing uh, requirements that are all part of this. And a lot of it is about fear pay, fear based research. It's it's researching yep. how children deal with the traumas of COVID. It's how they deal with the traumas of shit like of all day. And I think with you bringing up things like Sandy Hook too, before we even jump into the music stuff, that one thing that goes along with this and fits into the and connects all this perfectly well is Thriller. At the end of Thriller, Michael Jackson has to turn around and look in the camera so you know he's still fucking evil. And that's what these people <laughs> always fucking do. They always have yep. to come out with it. They always have to look at you at the end. They always have to send a letter after they've been murdering people, you know, right? Like they always have to have a trail of breadcrumbs because it's just. Or even the synchronicity thing where they'll put out something in the media like years before the actual event happens. Priming. Almost oh, like yeah. They got to tell Fucking you. Fucking priming. Oh, you 100%, dude. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's something to it. I mean, the, maybe I'm I'm nuts, but you know, I probably am both. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm right. Well, here's how that type of thing happens in Russia, China, and North Korea. Yeah, they set examples of people. You know, they, all the way down to just uh, reporters. Yeah, you say something ill or not a hundred percent pro their governments, then they kill them. They don't kill them just to stifle one voice. It's not about that. It's about the fear that now gets established with everyone. Yep. And they understand that this is what's going to happen. Yep. So don't say anything wrong. Be supportive. Yes, Kim Jong-il or Kim Jong-un is Jesus Christ and you treat him that way. And if you disagree in any way, shape or form, we're going to execute you. Excuse me. And then your kids and grandkids are going to be in concentration camps for the rest of their lives. So that's what it's for. It's to set a precedent. It's controlled by fear. I mean, fear is the most powerful thing that's ever existed in this world. And, and also faith. No, you're good, man. Go ahead. No, I before you finish that, I was going to say anybody that might be questioning what we're talking about, look up the name Wolfgang Halbig, and you'll know what we're talking about when it comes to making an example out of people. Yeah, I was going to bring up uh, there. There's a song by a band called Heaven Shall Burn that John Henry and I are big fans of, and it's called The Weapon They Fear. And it's about an artist named Jara 
who is taken into a, a public execution of sorts because of his outspokenness against the uh, regime at the time. And um, it was a fascist regime, regime uh, of sorts that they were fighting over there. And Charles may have been a leftist. You know, maybe I wouldn't have agreed with him on anything. But what they did to him was is that they 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 tied up his they cut off his hands so he couldn't play anymore, but he could still scream, he could still speak, he could still sing. And he stood there and he sang and screamed his his words until they shot him to death. We are the weapon they fear. So I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Because it fits it fits with this. And speaking and this is a perfect transition into this article and, and talking about weapons and 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 things that the establishment has done in the past. So just to maybe even set the precedent for tonight's conversation. I'm gonna bring over this little article that yeah, you sent me, Chris. This is from the Los Angeles Times. It's an oldie but goodie from nineteen ninety seven. This is the FBI releases secret John Lennon files. So all you John Lennon fans out there, all you big Beatles fans and stuff like that, your FBI, your your top law agency, <laughs> the top law agency, quote unquote, in the world, yes, had yeah. secret files on John Lennon. And this is from Henry Weinstein. So just to give some back, no, I don't want to do that. Um, so just to give some background here, let's read through some of the articles. It says, under pressure from a Los Angeles federal judge. The FBI has grudgingly surrendered most of its remaining secret files on Nixon-era surveillance of former Beatle John Lennon, bringing a 16-year legal battle close to conclusion. The agency this week turned over about 40 pages of documents on its investigation of Lennon to UC Irvine professor Jonathan, Jonathan M. Weiner, author of a 1984 book on the late rock star. So, people like us... <laughs> People that want to have these conversations, Chris, and then jump in and maybe do a book about it, right? Got these got these things released from the government. Yeah. Folks, don't ever have anyone tell you that asking these questions does nothing in the real world. Of course it does. It has to. Here's an example of it. So now in the next paragraph, it says the memos, which the FBI had fought for more than a decade to keep secret on grounds, including national security, range from reports on Lenin's contacts with anti-war organizers. So yeah, anti-war left, anti-war right, libertarians out there, hope you're paying attention, yeah. to a description of a talking parrot in an activist grungy New York apartment. In quotes, it says, this action gives to Professor Weiner all but a thimbleful of the documents he originally sought. Oh yeah. Don't they do that too in the establishment where they just squeak out a little bit of the information, you know, enough to give you a false interpretation of what the actual history of the subject is probably. But uh, it says Mark Rosenbaum, legal director of the American civil liberties union of Southern California. Wow. I wonder where that organization is gone since 1997. I wonder how they're fucking doing now, what they're on. Well, John Jeffrey, John Jeffrey says that they don't even care about, uh, you know, civil liberties now. They they just worry about uh, racism and uh, I forget the other thing, but it was racism and like wokeness or something. Oh, yeah. They they want trans kids to take drugs for Pfizer. That That's like the, yes. that, that's their modus operandi now, because that's that's how the American Civil Liberties Union actually makes money is through donations from people like Pfizer. <laughs> To go and make them money through their advocacy for these new uh, victim groups that they create. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's 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 another show. But uh, it quotes. <laughs> no, no, I'm glad because this all ties in together, and that's what we always talk about here. But it, it, yeah. just to finish up the article, it says these documents show 
that the FBI investigation was conducted in the manner of the shabbiest tabloid journalist imaginable. And they show that the FBI, this is going to sound familiar to a lot of you out there that have been reading modern stories, right? That the FBI just fucks everything up, but somehow they're the premier law agency in the world. That should give you all the confidence that you need in law, right? (laughs) FBI had nothing better to do than record the utterances of a parrot and indulge in gossip and innuendo about rock musicians who happen to take political stances. It says the files uh, Weiner obtained shed new light on an era when the FBI was zealously investigating opponents of the Vietnam War. I wonder if they're zealously investigating their opponents now. I bet you they are. And uh, I bet you we're on that list. Uh, Black militants. Yes, black community. You too. Under the rationale that such individuals were a threat to the nation's security. And that leads into MK Ultra as well, which we're going to talk about tonight, I'm sure. Um, among the documents turned over this week is an April 26, 1972 FBI memo from an unnamed agency source describing a trip to a Madison, Wisconsin leftist to New York, where she met with Yippy and Zippy representatives planning demonstrations at the August 1972 Republican National Convention. So you mean that there's like. Some kind of FBI shenanigans going on with the conventions? Hmm. I don't think that's ever happened before. Yeah. <laughs> and it says here, the memo states that Lenin told the activists that he will come to the conventions if they are peaceful. Smart man. And on the condition that his appearance not be advertised in advance, because he probably knew it would cause hysteria. Um, also, Los Angeles attorney Dan, uh, what is it, Marmolevsky? I think we got through that. Weiner's co-lead counsel said that document alone illustrates the spurious nature of the SBI investigation of Lenin. Of Lenin. And lastly here, in quotes, the whole assentable purpose for having Lenin under surveillance was the concern that he would be disrupting the Republican convention in August of 1972. There was a concern that he might do something disruptive. So that was enough to seek to sick the world's most fucking renowned law agency on him, right? All they have yep. to have is just a suspicion. And the suspicion doesn't even have to be based in anything, does it, Chris? They can just decide that, oh, that's kind of suspicious, we thinks. So now we're going to do an investigation. <laughs> and this is Playing how all the these free, things huh? happen, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Now, it also says, just to to wrap it up, it says, in fact, as the information released on this week uh, now reveals, the FBI's own informant told them in April of 72 that Lenin would only participate if the demonstrations were peaceful. So, again, Lenin there just, you know, being a good dude, standing up for peace. I'm fucking up here. Let me X out of there. Back to the panel. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that one up just to kind of start things out with here. Just to kind of, because I think that fit in John Henry with what you asked from before. Like, what is the established establishment now? You know, what what do they mirror now? They're, they're mirroring themselves. They're, they're just, it might be a, a different D or a different R, a different name on the plaque, but it's the same old bullshit. It really is. I mean, and and... And probably throughout all of history too. Like uh, we we had another person on our show not too long ago that's also amazing at research. 
and uh, gets into like ancient history and stuff like that. Silas Guthier, shout out to you, Silas, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, this this is a pattern not only in just in our, in our America, not even in the history of our country. This is a pattern for the history of the world. Like we're yeah. musicians and creative people and creative types and the people that have the ability to produce content like this even. We've always been the weapon they fear. We always have been. Um, it doesn't matter. So, um, but Chris, uh, what's what are I know that you uh, have done extensive work on uh, the Kurt Cobain uh, for, uh, story, for instance. Uh, would you like to bring up an article for that, maybe? Or was there another one that you wanted to uh, tell everybody about? Well, I well first, yeah. I mean, yeah. Anytime I can talk about the Kurt case, uh, I I love to do that. Um, but kind of going on the John Lennon thing real quick. Right. Uh, people should know that the doorman uh, at the Dakota Building, the night that John was assassinated, was uh, a fellow by the name of Jose Predermo, who had curious connections to the Bay of Pigs, and quite possibly may have been in Dealey Plaza when John F. Kennedy was assassinated um, on, you know, in 1963. So the fact that he was the doorman at the Dakota building and actually was quoted by uh, a witness as telling Mark David Chapman to run and to get out of here is a little bit curious. I actually have that pulled up now and just for everybody in the audience to see want to flip on your screens or your phones or whatever this is the the dude you were talking about chris this is jose senyenis uh perdamo and it says um yeah it says a man of many aliases including joaquin senyelis sam yenis uh senyenis perdermo and jose joaquin and probably luis senyenis was a chief of police during cuban president carlos prio's regime And also, Perdomo went into exile after Fidel Castro took power. Oh, so that seems he was uh, easy to leverage against certain things by our intelligence agencies, right? You know, if you're if you're exiled by Castro, do you think the CIA can use that to help use you to go after people? Hmm. Uh, (laughs) You know, and and was recruited by the CIA. It says so. uh, Working with CIA and Miami Station in the early 1960s. Wow, I wonder what kind of dirty shit. Oh, I can only imagine. Uh, he recruited most of the members of Operation 40, a CIA yep. hits. I don't know shit about that. Operation that, 40. That tied into JFK assassination. A lot of that uh, has to do with uh, John, uh, John, like I knew him, JFK's possible uh, actual killers. Wow. Wow. And it says right here, like you were quoting, he was working as a night doorman at the Dakota on December 8th of 1980 when John Lennon was killed. Are there any coincidences anymore, John Henry? Yeah, everything's connected. <laughs> this guy just so happens to be the Something fucking fucks door up, man at John Lennon's like, murder. Come on. So, so, Chris, one of the things we reference a lot is um, the red string from like thriller movies and people looking for serial killers in the mafia. You know how they have the cork board and they connect. I just read that up last night on an, on uh, another thing for Don. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was we at- talk about that a lot, <laughs> man. And, and it's what's what's so crazy about this. Yeah. Is one you have you know the the political side of things, but then in another one. 
as you start to take a deeper dive down this, you start to realize that literally fucking everything culturally is a construct. Yep. You know, like there's nothing that's just natural anymore. I mean, it's it's unbelievable because as we're going through this and having this conversation, I just started the book about Charles Manson and his relationship with the CIA and MK Ultra, and I'm not far enough into it to. Are you talking speak. about chaos? Yeah, I just well, started it. I let me just you, started it. Let me tell you this: there was a book that was right before it that doesn't get an, enough credit, and it was by a guy I, I mentioned earlier, uh, Dave McGowan, called "Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon," where he goes all into uh, how the the nineteen sixties uh, hippie movement, you know, was possibly socially engineered by yeah the military. Yes, I heard about that. In, intelligence of to <laughs> taking down the anti-war movement and manson's all up in there with the mk ultra stuff yeah it's crazy man when you start to when you could kind of go down this path and then this guy i mean recruited by the cia fucking aren't they all <laughs> yeah. you know it's anyone so that you ever know I'll, I'll just say this in music or any kind of like the arts that has any kind of um you know, uh, is famous whatsoever, most likely has some kind of intelligence stink on them. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. Like, the more you, you research and understand, you're like, well, for fuck's sake, like, nothing is real. You know what I mean? Like, Jim Morrison's father was responsible for the Gulf of Tonkin incident that brought us into the Vietnam War. Yeah, number six was telling me about you guys talking about yeah. that. And I'm like, what? What? That's all Dave McGowan. He went and found that. And he found a, a picture of uh, Jim Morrison all clean cut and everything. Like he was, you know, right out of a military academy or something. Right before he goes on to uh, form the doors and in which he says he has no musical talent at all. It's just crazy. And yeah. in general... People have no idea about any of this. Yeah, I guess one of the articles you know, we that just, you uh, sent you know, me, Chris. We just go along with our lives, and yeah, you know, like to me now, it's pretty obvious when you get things like Katy Perry and Lady Gaga and Jay Z and Beyonce, and you know, because they're putting the symbol over their eye, and um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of symbolism, um, you know, a lot of dark, dark symbolism and everything that they do and everything that they say. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of Masonic shit on album covers all the way down to, you know, the, the necklace that Jay-Z wears and all the stuff they do. So now it's like we talked about earlier. They just throw the shit in your face. Yeah. Um, but when you look back and think about these types of things like this is just fucking wild. I had no idea about this. And, and you know, I know a lot more than I would say the general populace about these types of things, just because we research it so much. And there's yeah, three a lot different of sources. Dave McGowan, you know what I mean? He doesn't get enough credit, uh, but yeah, he, he went and found that and put it in that, that book, weird scenes inside the Canyon. And uh, a lot of people think that in his expose and the Boston bombing is what actually got him killed. Cause he ended up getting a, uh, a form of cancer that was uh, pretty rare. That was uh, killed him, uh, you know, under, under a year, and he, <laughs> this is the day he actually died was on November 22nd, 2016. So, Man. yeah. 
Yeah, just to mm-hmm. uh, just to give the audience some of that that I was showing before. Um, this is I'll just read from one of these articles. This is from We the Mighty. This is one of the several sources that you sent me about the Jim Morrison subject. And I'm actually I'm I'm scrolling through this trying to find. I think you did link me to a book, uh, like a link where you could read online that book that you mentioned before too. Yeah, it was weird, weird scenes inside weird the scenes canyon. Inside by the David canyon. Dark. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole book. Yeah, on the way back. Cool. Here. Right on. Yeah. If if I don't already have that attached to the source list, I will make sure I attach. It. I don't know if I include it with uh, everything. Well, I apologize too, guys, because I'm all over the place. Just because like that's on my brain, unfortunately. Oh no, we are totally stream of consciousness here, and it's funny because like before we even continue with the article, just to let everybody out there know, one of my favorite novels of all time is Jack Kerouac's On the Road. And the reason why I read Kerouac's On the Road is because of Jim Morrison. Because I had read a book about Jim Morrison and how much he was in love with that novel. So I ended up reading it, and I liked it a lot. But in that novel, they talked about the concept of stream of consciousness and how to conduct a conversation where you can roll from one subject to another. And the reason why John Henry and I can come on here, not just because we're good friends or you know, maybe halfway decent at communicating. The other part of it is, is that the whole idea of being able to stream things into one another in conversation in stream of consciousness allows us to sort of expand upon our creativity and our minds because we're not trying to block out the thoughts that are coming through. We're not trying to filter everything uh, through to the audience. And I think that people appreciate that because that's how people really do think. You know, like when we talk to one another, when we have conversations, they're not conducted in this fancy way that they are on shows like this all, a lot, right? Like when people come yeah. on here, like I want people to just be able to speak out loud what they what they really think. And if you can go on and you, we're talking about Jim Morrison and it somehow leads into, uh, let's just blurt it out here right now, Courtney Love and Jeffrey fucking Epstein. Like if, we're, yeah. like if we can make those connections in two seconds and get over to that article, even like, I don't mind doing that, man. Like, I think that that's perfect because that just shows people even more what John Henry was talking about with the red string. Because if I put one of those things up here in the studio, I wouldn't be able to get in this bitch. There'd be red string everywhere <laughs> because of how many connections that you could make in these things. Uh, but on, well, me, yeah, go ahead. Let me tell you. The, let me tell you this one thing that might blow your mind, yeah. and you probably, you know, being good researchers that you guys are, you probably already know this. But do you have you ever heard of a, a guy named George DeMornshield? George DeMornshield. Um, no, actually, I think you may have stumped us. Okay, he he was uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's handler or his best friend, supposedly, uh, whatever, one of the, one, one or the other, it, I tend to think it's both. I oh, know you may have brought but this George, up on your last podcast, right? Cause you, you talked to somebody about the yeah. JFK assassination on that podcast, but I, I suck with names. So sometimes it helps having like articles and stuff in front of me to help. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what I'm, what I'm getting, getting at is with all the connections, like you just said, Beautiful. well, he's the guy who, uh, got Oswald, pretty much the job at the school book depository. This guy was also one of George H.W. Bush's uh, good friends. And actually he wrote to him at one point because he was, uh, he was supposed to testify at the house select committee on assassinations in 1978. He ends up killing himself, but um, he also was dating Jackie Kennedy's mother and would bounce Jackie on his knee. Like when she was a little girl. So 
don't tell me for one moment that that's you know not a one big coincidence that Lee Harvey Oswald's best friend and George H. W. Bush's best friend is sitting there uh, bouncing Jackie Kennedy on his knee when she's a little girl. You know what I mean? Like it's all connected. Well, and Chris, and I'm sure you're well aware too. But for the uninitiated in our audience, or maybe for some of the younger cats out there that didn't grow up in the George you know W. Bush era as much, like. Describe to them the skull and bones uh, secret occult relationship uh, between the Bush family and the skull and bones and the CIA and stuff like that, and why that sort of ties into what we're talking about tonight, too. Well, here's the thing. Um, I'm trying to remember, like, offhand um, how to put this because it's so, so, it goes back so far because Prescott Bush. Uh, George H.W. Bush's uh, father was connected with the Nazis. Yes. <laughs> the rise of Hitler. <laughs> a lot of people don't like to bring that up either. But Yeah, um, I'm sure that doesn't get over at uh, Thanksgiving on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, George H.W. Bush, who was uh, the vice president under Reagan, who almost became president when uh, another guy that a lot of people think was mind-controlled, John Hinckley, uh, took a shot at him, but then you have reporters like Judy Woodruff reporting that they saw a guy dressed like a Secret Service guy taking a shot with a rifle from the overhang, which they they came researchers came to um, nickname the Bushy Knoll instead of the Grassy Knoll. <laughs> The Bushy Knoll, because George H.W. Bush almost became uh, president eight years earlier than he actually did in 19, you know, yeah. when he when he ran. So, uh, but, you know, Reagan survived, but Reagan also changed his policies and his attitude quite a bit to kind of go along to get along um, after that. But to answer your thing about the skull and bones like that is so intricate and I don't know if I could do it justice right now. Um but basically there's initiations like the Bush family. Uh, they all pretty much attended, um, in Connecticut. I believe it's a, it's Yale, right? And that, yeah. Yeah. Yale, uh, in Connecticut. And everyone thinks that George W. Bush is like this Texan. Like he's like from Texas. He's like a cowboy. Yeehaw. No, he's from, uh, he's from Connecticut. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that whole family, you know, there's a rumor that George H.W. Bush actually stole the head of Geronimo, uh, which upset a lot of, you know, Native Americans. Oh, shit. And I guess that was a part of the initiation. Um, I believe it. Like, when you think about yeah. um, Animal House and, like, those strange <laughs> initiation things, I could only fucking imagine what Skull and Bones initiation rituals are like. <laughs> And that's also ties into the Epstein type stuff because I believe that they oh, yes. they make they put these people as you know young adults into compromising you know uh, situations to kind of control them later on because they're already pre-selected to be our leaders. Like let's make no bones about it. Like we don't elect the people that run the show. I mean that's all like kind of like wrestling. Like Jesse Ventura said it best. I thought you know out out in front of the public it's all like oh we're you know we're enemies of each other and everything and backstage they're all like best buddies having beers together you know it's all a dog and pony show and that's why i don't really buy it like earlier when you were asking about like the left and all that and then how the right we used to be the demons back in you know back in the day whatever and then the now the left i don't 
believe in either party. I think it's all for show and it's a show that's not interested interesting to me because uh i kind of see where the end result you know is taking us here but anyway yeah skull and bones is it's one of those initiation things uh in college but um this goes back with like a lot of the uh i don't want to say royal bloodlines but actually it ties into a lot of royal bloodlines if you really really go back far enough and uh, even people like david crosby from uh the birds yes yeah his family, he's of royal blood as well. So I forget where, he, I think you were asking about Skull and Bones, and I, I don't even think I answered your question, so I apologize. Oh, no, no, you explained it fine for the for the audience of just trying to describe like what type of background that some of our our leaders in in this country have come from. Um, you know, yeah. when we talk about like people joke and make fun of people for bringing up, you know, occult and secret societies and Satanism as if it doesn't exist. Bohemian Grove. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Oh, well, even stuff like that, right? Like how long, how long ago was that just like some stupid conspiracy theory until it was proven that it's a real thing? You know, I think Alex Jones was actually, this is, I can't prove it, but I think Alex Jones was given access to videotape the Bohemian Grove. And that's what gave him kind of that street cred that he's enjoying right now. But that's just me. I mean, uh, people, some people get mad at me when I bring that up, but I, I have a feeling because another guy that I, you know, kind of looked up to was uh, a guy named Bill Cooper, and they uh, shot his ass on his own property, and uh, Alex Jones kind of aped his uh, his whole uh, persona and everything. Wow. So see that that's the type of thing where yeah, you have to ask like if people are uh, sort of placed in these positions where they're able to break these big stories, uh, did they break them or were they fed that information? That's were they allowed to? Yeah, yeah. it's a viable question because like if uh, for the term is controlled opposition, right? You know, when, whenever yes. you're leaking those sort of things or like um, Whitney Webb refers to it as like a, a limited hangout, you know, yeah. that the, whenever they kind of give you a little bit of the story. And I think that's enough to distort and like kind of, put the snow up on the screen so you can't see the true picture right like because they poison the well yeah absolutely yeah yeah perfect and a good band name right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um so th let's read a little bit from this article about jim morrison just to jump back into this though for the audience it says it's fairly well known to students of pop culture and classic rock aficionados that the father of the doors front man jim morrison was a flag officer in the u.s navy what is not as well known is that then captain george stephen morrison was the commander of U.S. naval forces at the time of the Gulf of Tonkin incident that gave the Johnson administration the justification they needed to enter the Vietnam War. And after graduating with the U.S. Naval Academy's class of 1941, George Morrison was sent to Hawaii oh, to join the crew of the mine layer USS Pruitt. Uh, he was there for the fateful morning of December 7th, other date that'll live in infamy, I guess, when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. <laughs> How many conspiracies can you fucking roll into one article, John Henry? I was going to say, yeah, because the Gulf <laughs> of Tonkin incident officially never actually took place, according to McNamara, uh, when he was uh, in his last years, you know. And uh, I believe <laughs> you probably already real know this. Uh, it wasn't such a surprise, the attack on Pearl Harbor. So. Oh, absolutely. That's a thing. Like, and I, I watched the yeah. McNamara documentary um, that, that he did not too like many years ago, but, uh, and it just seemed like it, it, it was like his OJ, if I had done it book. <laughs> yes. 
or he's making amends because he's getting closer to the grave and he feels a little bit guilty about the 58,000 Americans. I was just about to say that if you believe in a hell and you're Robert McNamara, you might be trying to get right with somebody, you know, (laughs) by the way, McNamara bought John, um, actually, no, John Belushi actually bought McNamara's uh, property on Martha's Vineyard. doesn't really relate to any of this, but kind of weird but john belushi yeah well that's uh, that's another you know sort of yeah. entertainment or yeah. hollywood tie-in there though um and there's yeah. usually several of those when it comes to some of these things too but it says after several combat deployments as a surface warfare officer morrison went to flight school he pinned on his wings of gold in 1944 and flew combat missions in the pacific for the balance of world war ii and also during the korean war and that was a nasty fucking one too um, in August of 1964, Morrison was aboard the USS Bonham Richard, uh, leaving the U.S. Navy force stationed off the coast of Vietnam. On August 2nd, several North Vietnamese patrol boats attacked the USS Maddox during an intelligence gathering mission. And here you go. <laughs> Let me highlight it there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and during an intelligence gathering <laughs> mission. Doesn't it always, doesn't it fucking always lead back to some sort of bullshit intelligence? I can't remember the, the journalist's name, but I, Chris, I don't know if you remember the story that happened like several weeks ago. John Henry, you'll probably remember this. Uh, remember when the journalist called out one of our intelligence shills that was out at a podium, you know, not too long ago talking about Ukraine and just fucking called him out on yeah. the stupid bullshit that the intelligence agencies do? Yeah, they come out and say, <laughs> well, we feel this way. And the journalist was like, well, why do you feel that way? And the guy was just like, I don't know. We're, we're going to act on it. <laughs> All they yeah, have is exactly. their talking points. It doesn't mean that they have anything to substantiate They would have Biden's them. fucking cue cards. That's all they had. That's why, I mean, you, you look at our press secretary. It's I've never seen more ums, uhs, and huhs in my fucking life from an adult than when she's asked any question, especially by Peter Ducey. Um, uh, um, uh. Uh, well, that's that's not what we're focused on. Yeah, yeah, but I asked you about this thing. Uh, uh, so anyway, um, 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 you know, and even the question that came out where I can't remember who asked it, but it was great when they're like, yeah, so quick question. So you blame Putin for the price increase on the fuel. You've yeah. been very consistent in that. Everything had to do with Putin. So why is Joe Biden taking credit for a drop in price? Wouldn't that be Putin? <laughs> and watching these people go, oh, and their fucking brain just melts out of their ear and drips onto the floor. Then there's a terrorist attack that conveniently happens down the street. Yeah, or of course, yeah, terrorist yeah. attack, mass shooting. It just yeah. never ends, you know. Yeah. So the, these people, the, again, they're not there because there's uh, anything uh, really behind that surface level line or statement that they have to make because there's no argument. Yep. You know, and at this point, the positive thing is there's been enough objective people that have asked enough questions that you know, they know that there is no argument because then later on it'll be, Hey, uh, you know, you remember this portion of it. It's all crazy. I mean, it's just like the head of the CDC and the who and Fauci himself coming out, talking about the vaccines and going, yeah, I know we told everybody that if you took it, you're guaranteed not to get sick. And that didn't work. And actually turns out you had a better chance of dying from, uh, you know, COVID if you got it, but Hey, you know, we did what we thought was best at the time. It's and they get a, a lot of money at it, too. Oh, it's all fucking money and power, man. Yep. All money and power. Every single bit of it. So, you know, and it doesn't surprise me at all because, like I said, they just have their talking points. It's no, you know, they, no different than media. 
They all know the thing that they have to say. We've seen Project Mockingbird. Everybody's seen the videos of, you know, a hundred different news stations spewing the exact same dialogue, the same fucking script. I mean, it's creepy shit, man. Yeah. I mean, what's the difference between that and the state run media sources in North Korea? Fucking nothing. Nothing. We're there now. Yep. We were always there. It's just, yeah. Most most people didn't know it, you know, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, I would agree. Well, I did find that uh, link that you sent me, Chris, and yes, I did bookmark it, but it's just it's buried in some stuff about that um, the Laurel Canyon book. Uh, but I assure I assure the audience that will also be included. That is a uh, a free book online that you sent, which is awesome. Here, I'll drag that over onto the screen now. And I'll tell you this: if you want to see some really really creepy connections, Dave McGowan's able to connect like most of the characters of like the sixties and seventies. And he does it in like under 20 pages or 15 pages. And it makes you go, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we wanted out of this show. So, I mean, that's perfect. I'm so glad you provided that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said that, uh, he just didn't get the credit he deserved. Right. You know, that's the kind of thing that happens in this game a lot. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, but, but that chaos book though, I've heard good things about that, but it just makes me kind of not angry at the guy who wrote it, but just angry that other people haven't read what work came before that, you know, that led to that kind of, Oh yeah. When something's derivative of other people's work like that, you know, I, I, that's why I love that. When was that other, Mm -hmm. when was that other um, book published? Weird scenes inside the Canyon. Yeah. Do you know that was 2014? Okay. And a little side note, not to uh, sidetrack, but he also wrote an excellent book before that called Program to Kill, Okay, which basically he was able to kind of prove, you know, in weird ways how the serial killer phenomenon may have been engineered as well to uh, to keep the public scared. Oh, that wouldn't shock me for a second. Yeah. And he, oh, yeah. And so check that out, too, if you get a chance. Wow. Yeah, that. I mean, you have Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was in politics. That's what I'm saying. He goes into all that, and he goes into George uh, George W. Bush as uh, the governor of Texas. He he didn't um, he let a whole bunch of innocent people go to the electric chair, and I think the one of the only people he he actually uh, not pardoned but actually commuted his sentence to a life sentence was, um, you know that movie Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh, Henry Lee Lucas. The real life serial killer that they claim killed up to 600 people, which is impossible. Um, George W. Bush actually commuted his sentence, and that was like the only one. He actually sent like a a battered woman who killed her husband out of self-defense to the electric chair and a mentally handicapped person to the electric chair. But commuted this guy, uh, this notorious serial killer that they also say Bush may have had connections to with a cult in Texas in the in the 1980s before he became born again so into that guys (laughs) yeah i derailed the music conversation Uh, hey that's why i was excited to get you on this is uh this is going to be a fluid ride right now so it all connects it does connect because you think about the soundtrack to while all this is going on too like uh, uh something that you know I think that I've done a lot in the past and I'll probably continue to do because, you know, we're all hypocritical in ways is that, you know, we take shit for granted. And like, while, while you're surrounded by these political happenings that are going on right now, look at the music that's around us. 
like especially in popular culture like it's just fucking drivel it's vapid bullshit it. it's, yeah it's computer it's, it's made in a computer yeah it's not music. It's bleeps and bloops. Like there's no, yeah. there's no fucking nuance. There's Just no soul. Giggles, you know? Yeah. There's, there's no, like uh, uh, Robert Johnson's guitar has more soul, you know, and, and it, you know, it fucking played into a tin can fucking microphone and God knows when, you know, there, there's Al, Bund- Al Bundy's toilet. The f- mighty Ferguson had more soul. <laughs> than the, uh, I fucking love that show. I love married with children. Oh, dude. God. Oh, yeah that was that was that was paradigm shifting television though like the american family and the way it was portrayed especially the mind of a man like i love the writers for that show i watched a little documentary about how they made that show and uh the writers for that show were like they they were so intuitive with with what goes on in the minds of men and that wasn't allowed to be represented like that ever on television before like the way that that's why they called it not the Cosby's at first. Yeah, yeah, no, but that that that's perfect, you know. And like they made sure to like kind of provoke the audience a little bit too. Like they were very punk rock in that. They were very like uh like how good art, a good song, a good movie supposed to provoke something in you. It's supposed to you get your mind fucking stirring and thinking about things. And that's okay. that's another reason why that uh, this stuff is undersold so much. And the reason why it is so important is because when you hear music, when you uh, take in music, when you go to these concerts and festivals and be involved in it, and you're involved in that vibe, well, like, what if that's, you know, something like this Travis Brown bullshit, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, what yeah. if, what if, what if the, the, the stuff that you're getting into and the stuff that you're vibing with and you're, you're part of the collective with and the whole crowd, right? What if it is something like Astro World, you know, on, on, on more of a cultural scale, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just, they're, they're, they're leading us into this life of servitude. I believe, you know, we're getting into the, they're talking about ESG scores on the news now. Like they've just, they're, they're just around, you know, they're, it's not yeah. even conspiracy theory land anymore. When you're saying, yeah, the, the banks are going to control all of our lives through ESG scores. Like they control people in China. And everybody's like, oh, yeah. a couple years ago, like, oh, you're full of shit. You're you're just trying to stir up fear. You're just a fear monger, you know? The the great reset, guys. Yeah. Oh, but the, the music and the the movies and everything right now has prepared us for it. And you you nailed it, Chris, when you said it. It's fucking priming. They're priming us all for this type of stuff. And that's when you yeah. read back, when you read back into history, and I'm this why I'm glad you brought up this book, this weird scenes from inside Little Canyon. This is about the hippie movement. And yes, the hippie movement was infiltrated, folks. You think that yours now isn't? (laughs) You know, even in alternative spaces, I'll say. I'm not going to throw anyone's names out there, but when it comes to even people that we've brought up on this show, Alex Jones, you know that there's there's (laughs) people (laughs) that may be infiltrated into our space somewhat yep. and who knows how they got certain places you know why do they get so and why did the fucking doors blow up so fast like i know that they existed in la right you know just to switch back to that article right here but just to bring this up about jim no, but here's the thing they didn't though they just came out of nowhere and so did the record companies came out of nowhere yes. la back then was only known for movies yes. the music was either in knoxville or new york city yeah so for them to get such a push they call it wrestling right like for them yeah. to get such a push in the media for that like you know love her Mally's being played fucking everywhere on the radio all of a sudden why is that 
You know, if you, they say that some people just have the luck. Well, yeah. maybe that's not so much the case. And maybe some of these things were selected. These people were selected and, and engineered to be these big success, you know, stories. And like, what, if you really look at the, um, the protest songs of the sixties and, and Dave does a great job of, uh, deconstructing those in the book too, where the, the protest songs are not exactly what people think either. Mm. That's sad to hear because when Don was talking about the other night on his spaces on Twitter, yeah, definitely check out Don yeah. Jeffries uh, spaces on Twitter. I think he's doing Saturday nights around eight ish or something. He might go a little bit later next time. But um, one of the things he brought up was his musical taste and he's like big Bob Dylan fan. A lot of big fans of the protest songs. Uh, personally, I'm a more of a blood on the tracks guy. I like his interpersonal stuff, but I do love yeah. me some Masters of War and songs like that, man. Like, I really dig that shit. And I mean, Black Sabbath, War Pigs. I mean, come on. Like, there's just the, the oh, and the whole punk rock thing. Absolutely, like, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's such a part of me, and like, that's the thing too. Like, I, we 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 talk shit a lot about you know the quote unquote left on this show, but you know, I absolutely love a lot of the music from the left. It, it's unfortunate that. um you know, we wouldn't get along on politics, but Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine and I would probably love each other until we got yeah. to politics. Like we'd probably get along on every other single thing about music because he loves blues and metal and he shreds a guitar and he's just, he seems like a cool guy. But then if it got down to any of these subjects, you, you just, you can see the NPC part of him just switch on, you know, and I would see, lose that's, that's the divide and conquer thing because like I, I dropped the whole, uh, Democrat thing um, when not only did John Kerry not put up a fight like in 2004 and I I helped campaign for him and then I unfortunately helped campaign for the first Obama thing because I bought into that hope and change bullshit yeah. and it's all oh, guys it's not the left and the right there is not they're all the same thing so when it's unfortunate like you just said like you and tom morello could be the best of buddies but then when that you know either politics and they say you know politics and religion and i guess they throw sex in there sometimes too those are the dividing factors you know it's like it shouldn't be that way you should be able to have you know a discourse or whatever you know no absolutely and then that's that's my soapbox well no but that isn't that the beautiful thing about art though like when you when you take in a song versus like like when you if somebody's really on the nose with it like if i listen to havoc right i like havoc they're a, yeah. they're an awesome thrash band i believe they're from colorado but they they fucking shred and and th their yeah. song hang them high is beautiful like it, it it is it is the vibe like if i want to wake up and work out that's the song i'm gonna fucking put on because that that song makes me want to throw weights into the ceiling but like oh, yeah. you know the the <laughs> that that type of shit you know what they're about like right from the get-go but when you listen yeah. to something that's poetically written like something like uh, i will pull up uh maybe like between the baird and me's recent efforts uh keller's two um or yeah. keller's yeah yeah keller's too um that that album is more poetic in its lyrics but you can get out of it what they were going through sort of during the pandemic and you yeah. know if, if it was just about like fuck this virus dup, 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 you know that if that <laughs> was like the whole song if it wasn't like creatively written it'd be like okay that's kind of cool you know yeah that was one of bieber's songs right? oh yeah yeah <laughs> But a lot of the a lot of the modern uh, hip hop is like that too. Like for the uh, I'd, I'd say like conservative libertarian wing. Like uh, there, there's tons of people blowing up right now. Uh, that Tom McDonald is 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 becoming popular. But again, his stuff is is rather on the nose. Like you can tell what he's addressing. You can watch the video and kind of get the point of what he's getting at. 
But when you when you uh, read into something or you see something or you listen to something that's a little bit more poetic, though, there, there's I think it, it it branches out and gets more people involved. You know, like people right. people that would otherwise already be solidified tribalistically would probably view like a Tom McDonald video or maybe a maybe a Dan Smots video. Shout out to Dan Smots too. He he does awesome shit too. Him and Crypto Man and a couple other guys did a, a great track recently. But you know, somebody that's already sort of galvanized to borrow a term from someone the other night, uh, the, politically, <laughs> you know, someone like that would look at it and go, "Nah, that's not for me." But if it was done more poetic, if it was more written like Stairway to Heaven, where you don't necessarily know what the fuck the song is about, maybe we'll talk about that too in a moment, <laughs> yeah. uh, then uh, it, then it gets it just gets over with more people. Um, but on that note too, like speaking about getting over on people, what they did with this Vietnam thing, I'll just jump back into this before we roll on to another topic though. It says um, here that the PT boats, uh, jumping back into this uh, Jim Morrison's dad story, fired several torpedoes that Maddox evaded while firing back with five-inch guns. Oh, tales of war. How they could be spun, possibly. Uh, Maddox hit one of the attacking boats while F-8 aircraft launched from the USS uh, Tekken... What the fuck? Deacon, Deacon de Roga? Get a better fucking name. Yeah. Strafed the other as, <laughs> as they fled, sinking one and heavily damaging another. Maddox emerged from the skirmish, owing, having only been hit by a single bullet. Wow. That sounds like a tall tale, too. Like uh, folk yep. heroes and those war heroes types of things. I mean, I'm not going to disparage any war heroes here on the show, right? We're not supposed to do that in this culture. But the ones that pretend you just mentioned John Kerry, wasn't there some shit with some swift boats that happened during that whole deal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, because maybe you know, but didn't he fire John, uh, John Kerry? Didn't he fire a fucking like bazooka or some shit? Like into a riverbank that caused him to get shrapnel in his ass, and that's how he got his medal. That's what I heard. Was that him, John Kerry, in the shrapnel ass? It might have been John Kerry's shrapnel ass. I can't say, well, hey, that's a band or an album right there. John Kerry's shrapnel ass is an awesome fucking band name. The John Henry, that's going to be our cross bunk band. We're just not going to bathe for like a month and show them like, yeah, we're John Kerry's shrapnel ass. Yeah, I think it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it remained in the sky. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, sometimes I am. But you can, but you can still be his ass. You he can know? still be his just ass. Do. Yeah, his ass, his thigh, you know, all those things. But like, you know, I, uh, what? And he was Bush's cousin. I mean, let's not forget that, you know, and he didn't put up a fight because it was, he was basically just a puppet for, you know, so Bush didn't have an actual opposition and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, it all, it all ties in, man. Doesn't it? <laughs> no. Oh, I want to say immortal technique too was probably the last like hip hop uh, guy that I was really into. And he went into like nine 11 truth and things like that. Oh, yeah. Too. I mean, I've, there's plenty of dudes out there, even MF doom and like others that even people from yeah. directions, you wouldn't even think you're just like, I yeah. mean, God bless them. But Van Morrison coming on over the past couple of yes. years and Eric Clapton uh, Eric too. Clapton. Eric Clapton's a bad motherfucker. Yeah. Son. At the same time. Yeah, absolutely dude. And I feel so bad for his physical condition too. And like people yeah. shitting on him, like people from Rolling right. Stone, shitting on him how fucking dare rolling stone shit on eric clapton eric clapton made you all a fucking living you bitches 
just goes to show you that Rolling Stone was full of shit all these years anyway. So oh, I think Rolling Stone is definitely like a fucking CIA connected rag of some sort. They they fucking have to be. They get leaks. They, oh, get, yeah. they get these exposés. Their their covers and even with Sasha Baron Cohen too to bring up like people that are actors. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen's yeah. a motherfucker. I, I I have liked his work in the past, but his shit recently with um oh the Anti Defamation League. Uh, and yes. all the censorship yeah. bullshit for Israel and stuff. That fuck, fuck Sasha Baron Cohen, man. Like it's just I, I want to love the dude because of his, uh, you know, skills and his creativity and whatever. But like it just seems like he's a fucking plant too. Like I, yeah, it does. Um, in that kind of put, in that kind of like had me scratching my head too because I think he like he didn't he uh, recently in the last like during the uh, the lockdown. Didn't he like hand over a tape uh, to the FBI of uh, when he was doing a skit for uh, one of his newer shows? Like it, the whole skit had him like propositioning Giuliani. Like, no, 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 it was not that one. But it, it had something to do with um, his character was asking if there were any uh, young boys that could be brought to his like his hotel room, and it was during. Yeah, that. I remember that. And he gave over, handed over the the tape because he said it was really creepy. Because the guy actually said, "Yeah, hold on, let me go get, let me go uh, make those uh, arrangements or something." And it was like, "Wow!" And then you never heard the story ever again. Yeah. So he could be a plant, but when I heard that, I was like, "Okay, like, is he is he on the side of good or is he not?" Like, if so, I don't well, know. He smeared the fuck out of Ron Paul. I mean, uh, oh, he too, yeah. he really damaged Ron Paul because for young people at that time, the only good pre- the only press <laughs> that Ron Paul even fucking got was Bruno. Yeah, right? yeah, it was just or yeah. uh, was it Ali G? Was it Ali G? I think it was Bruno because Bruno? Bruno was okay. supposed to be gay and he was yeah. like taking his pants off in the skit in the room or something. Yeah, but uh, that, yeah, that, that. But yeah, I think you might be right though. Like yeah. the plant, he just smears people, and that's that's what it seems like. And then he's part of an anti-defamation league when the shit that you do, your whole act is defaming yeah. people. <laughs> what I the know. fuck? All right, but it says tensions remain high over the next days, and Morrison put his assets on high alert under the direction of President Johnson. Oh yeah, he was. The most trustable fucking guy in the world to that Johnson, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, he also ordered Maddox, along with the USS Turner Joy, to sail close to the North Vietnamese coast to show the flag. And during an evening and early morning of rough weather and heavy seas, the destroyers received radar, sonar, and radio signals that they believe signaled another attack by the North Vietnamese Navy. For some four hours, the ships fired on radar targets and maneuvered vigorously amid electronic and visual reports of enemies. Despite the Navy's claim that two attacking torpedo boats had been sunk, listen to this, there was no wreckage. There was Never bodies happened. of dead Vietnamese soldiers or other physical evidence present at the scene of the alleged engagement. And this was after Operation Northwoods was proposed and shot down by uh, President John F. Kennedy as well. <sighs> yeah. Never happened. Yeah. And, I mean, we'll we'll wrap up that that part of it, and I'll switch back to the panel here. But um, John Henry, did you did you have a particular artist or somebody that you wanted to bring up before we moved on? Was there a particular article or something that sort of caught your eye? No, I don't think anything in particular. I think we just uh, obviously we have <laughs> choices, choices, choices this you evening. You got some choices, so uh, I'm good to just be along for the ride, man. I just appreciate Chris doing so much great research and uh, getting us a lot of good topics. So let's turn it over to Chris, man. What do you want to get into? 
well, a lot we, of great content for us. We can go back to uh, we can go to the Kurt stuff, I guess. Because uh, oh yeah, we could definitely get into some Kurt stuff here. Um, let me pull this up then. It's gonna X. Which while you're doing that, I, I just want to say that um, John Potash's book. Um, I was going to ask you about John Potash because I watched his documentary about uh, uh, drugs or the CIA and the drugs used against us or whatever. Weapons, weapons used yes. against us. Yeah, that's kind of a spiritual sequel. And I think he, if you ask him, he'll even admit to this. Um, it's kind of a spiritual sequel to Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon because it kind of tackles... Um, the next decades after that Dave didn't touch upon like with the punk rock of the, in like the eighties and then the grunge of the nineties. Cause Dave actually wanted to write uh, more about other stuff first. And then he was going to make his way around to like the eighties and nineties and do a sequel to, uh, to weird scenes. Cause I've actually been in contact with uh, Dave's brother, Craig, and Dave had a lot of plans, but you know that got cut short. You know, cut. He was doing a, a whole series on Lincoln too that he wasn't able to finish. Wow. That basically uh, proposed that maybe the Lincoln assassination was kind of like a Truman Show type thing too. And yeah, so man, I was I was, I was just about to say something like, imagine getting a dude like John Potash on the Lincoln thing like that. That's exciting to me, man. Because like that, that was that was Dave McGowan, and he actually did do a a, a whole bunch of. Um, he did like half the series, so it is does exist, and I can send it to you. But yeah, he does a whole thing. I, one little side thing, he does this thing called Wagging the Moon Doggy, <laughs> and it's like a twelve part like article series or whatever. Okay. Kind of what Weird Scenes became like the book, but it originally it was a series of articles. But wagging the moon doggy, if if anyone's on the fence about whether we went to the moon or not, check out Dave McGowan's series, Wagging the Moon Doggy, because you, I think he does it in such a humorous way where he even goes into how like the spacesuits were made by the bra company Playtex and how preposterous the whole thing is. You know, yeah, he was... This this may be one of the topics on the uh, Ride the Lightning round, so keep those thoughts in your head. Okay, all right. Thank you, John. That's fucking awesome. Anyway, so yeah, that that was... Yeah, so uh, basically, uh, weapons you... You know, uh, drugs used as weapons against us. He kind of comes from the weird scenes um, kind of uh, ilk. Okay. Oh, that's awesome, man. So I would really love that book is what you're saying then. Cause yeah, that, that documentary was like, especially when you brought up David Crosby, I, I was like, yeah. holy fuck. Like whenever they got into it, cause it just makes sense. Like how do these movements happen? You know, right. Like how do big, how do big genres kind of pop off and like things become popular? Everyone thinks that it's just like, Oh, because it's in like reduction, really reductionist and simplistic terms. Right. They, they think that, Oh, yeah. just cause it's good. Oh, that's the popular song. Cause it's catchy. Like, no, like media companies spend millions of dollars to push artists. Um, There's all kinds of dark money, black market money and other shit, especially when you go back into the history of music. Oh, my God. I mean, when you talk about mafia ties and and like ties, the just really evil, dark shit. John John Jeffrey's book, which I uh, was the first one that I get credited in 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 the the acknowledgments, uh, his latest one on borrowed fame. Um. He actually goes into how many uh, mysterious deaths are not only in the music industry, but it, he also ta- bar- he also kind of gives uh, Dave McGowan a lot of credit because Dave's all all you know throughout that book on borrowed fame. But yeah, he goes into all how 
there's two worlds, right? The political world and the entertainment world and how no other industry seemed to have um, all the mysterious deaths that these two particular worlds have. And why is that? Wow. I'm going to pull up this uh, article here for you, Chris, um, because I think this uh, kind of fits with what we were talking about. Let me pull it over here. This is one that you submitted to me from yeah. Covert Action Magazine, and we can get into uh, this. And this is actually the author here, John Potash. Yeah. And it's a uh, U.S. intelligence cover-up, question mark, newly declassified FBI file on Nirvana's Kurt Cobain compounds evidence implicating his wife's role in his murder. Now, I was fortunate enough to uh, uh, listen in to a great fucking conversation that you had with Billy Ray Valentine, man. Like, I really, uh, it, it was like sitting down with two dudes that I've known for years and you know, talking about this subject. And for somebody that grew up with the music of Nirvana and the influence of Kurt Cobain in my life, like hearing somebody like you, Chris, talk about him in such a loving way and then explain these things, I think it sort of took the edge for me off of some of like how impactful this information is uh, about, you know, just not uh, people not really having the full scope of understanding of the death of someone like Kurt Cobain and then having like that, I keep saying like this distorted picture in their minds of what the death of this person was. So if you will, like, uh, because I know that you've had plenty of, um, you know, background in it. And if you want, we can read some from the article, but just, I'll I'll switch back to the panel here just so everybody can kind of just focus on your words. But like, uh, what would you, for the uninitiated, maybe in the audience or people that have just heard, you know, smells like teen spirit on the radio a couple thousand times in their life. um, (laughs) What, what, what really did happen with the end of Kurt Cobain in your opinion? Well, I think he, uh, I think he was murdered. I mean, a lot of this, you know, people will say it's circumstantial evidence and, you know, they're, they're not exactly wrong when they say that, but I mean, it's all there. I mean, he, he was, he turned down Lollapalooza 1994 to headline, uh, 10 million bucks. And Courtney was furious because, uh, you know, she wanted to uh, actually headline Lollapalooza, things like that. Um, he actually, um, they shared, a, obviously, as a married couple, they shared a entertainment lawyer by the name of Rosemary Carroll. And she was actually um, Francis Bean, Kurt and Courtney's daughter's uh, godmother up until uh, up until a certain uh, period of time. And then Drew Barrymore mysteriously became Francis Bean's godmother. But I have, I have a feeling that that has something to do with the fact that Rosemary Carroll told this private investigator named by the name of Tom Grant, that Courtney actually hired to find Kurt quote unquote, um, before his body was found. Uh, Rosemary Carroll told Tom that Kurt, contacted her and wanted a new will drawn up and wanted Courtney taken out of it. And he wanted to get a divorce. And around the same time, Courtney called up Rosemary and said, please find me the most vicious divorce lawyer you can find. So right then and there, um, you know, there were a couple of attempts on Kurt's life before, you know, his body was found. Uh, He had a famous, overdose in rome italy about a month prior uh and he doesn't he didn't really have a memory of it because he was 
he had a whole bunch of the date rape drug, Rufinol, I believe. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But that was in his system along with champagne, which he didn't drink alcohol. And questions uh, about that incident, too, because Courtney ended up not calling the ambulance for like three hours while Kurt was unconscious on the floor with his coat. And in his hand was a whole wad of cash like that he had just grabbed because he was ready to uh, get out of the room. And apparently when he woke up uh, out of his coma, because he did go into a coma, the first thing he did was he gave Courtney the, the finger because he knew something was wrong. And Courtney, that's around the time when Courtney really started getting kind of, you know, erratic and spastic because I feel like she was um, she was afraid he was going to regain his memory of whatever transpired in that, that hotel room in Rome, Italy, in which... Uh, you know, Francis's nanny, uh, this guy named Michael Callie DeWitt, his nickname was Callie. He was in the room, apparently, and uh, Pat Smear, uh, another uh, band member that Courtney wanted Kurt to add to Nirvana's live touring band. Uh, he was there at one point, too. Um, a lot of people think that Kurt could have been murdered by this guy named Alan Wrench, who... Uh, you know, he's been going around kind of claiming, trying to make claims, you know, or not. He doesn't make the claims, but other people have said that this guy was the one that Courtney hired, paid $50,000 to uh, take out Kurt. And I think he just uses that uh, for the attention because he ended up starting like a, a rape rock band called Kill Alan Wrench. So he kind of like uses that notoriety because his buddy, there was a guy named El Duce. See, I'm going all over the place here. There's a guy named El Duce. His real name was Eldon Hoke. He was the lead singer for a rape rock called The Mentor, 1980s and GG Allen derivative stuff. I've heard of El Duce. Yeah. Well, El Duce claimed on camera in Nick Broomfield's documentary, Kurt and Courtney, in 1998. That's when it came out, uh, despite Courtney trying to prevent it from coming out. Can I say rather quickly that how far we've fallen, where we've gone from rape rock to you can't even call people fucking groomers on Twitter anymore in our culture? Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm pro rape rock. <laughs> You know, unless you're uh, you're wearing giant green dildos like Lady Gaga or, you know, singing songs about your wet ass pussy. Yeah, that's all good. That's all acceptable. That's That's okay. That's what my grandmother used to say, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why I went down those lyrics from my grandma. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh man! <sighs> but I'm sorry. You, you were talking about Paul El Duce here. Yeah. <laughs> now there was a guy that named by the name of El Duce. Uh, well, that was his stage name in the Mentors. He, he was like one of these characters, kind of like a Gigi Allen that would go on like Geraldo or some of these tabloid shows, and he'd be like, "Yeah, I, I feel rape rock," and like he'd be sitting next to like a, a fake Nazi and a Klansman and all this stuff, just to you know to piss people off and kind of like the Howard Stern shock jock tactics not that he did those exact things but like back in the 80s or you know late 80s early 90s that was kind of the thing you know jerry springer and all that so anyway this guy uh eldon hoke el duce he says on camera that he was offered 
by Courtney $50,000 to whack, you know, Kurt Cobain. And then he goes on to say, Alan, uh, he goes, I didn't do it, but my friend Alan, and then just, you know, just coincidentally, he did, he did have a friend named Alan and it's this Alan wrench character, but here's the thing. Alan wrench wasn't in the, uh, the house with Kurt when Kurt's body was there the whole time, but Courtney's, you know, ex-boyfriend who was also, you know, a drug user, uh, was Francis Bean Cobain's, uh, a nanny. So a lot of people think that he is the prime suspect because Courtney, you know, made sure that she was in Los Angeles during this whole time. So she knew exactly where Kurt was when she, she you know, quote unquote says he was missing this whole time. Uh, after leaving uh, Exodus Recovery in uh, Los Angeles. And Kurt actually called Courtney when she was at the uh, Beverly Hills Peninsula. And Tom Grant actually had the phone records to prove that. And also Tom Grant was given uh, Courtney's backpack by Rosemary Carroll, you know, her entertainment lawyer. And inside the backpack was... Um, handwriting samples and tracing materials like uh you know different letters of the alphabet repeated over and over again as if you know you know she was trying to practice you know writing in someone else's handwriting and there's a lot of questions about kurt's suicide note because the bulk of it reads like it's a retirement letter to his fans because he doesn't want to be in the limelight anymore he kind of was telling people around him that he wanted to do like a johnny cash thing where he would just go on you know do like acoustic acoustic songs and go on like small little club tours by himself and and nirvana was actually officially disbanded in and it was mentioned in rolling stone magazine a couple of weeks before his body was found but people a lot of people forget that um, there was a lot of turmoil, which was caused by Courtney that happened during that time. And, and I don't know, this, was there another, I feel like I'm leaving so much out. No, here. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say to the audience though, just to clarify with them and, and sort of like give them an idea of what could have been going on here is that there was a tremendous amount of royalties and money involved in like, if you're married to someone like Kurt Cobain, right? Like, imagine yeah. being married to fucking Elvis. And Kurt Cobain was basically fucking Elvis at that point, right? Like, Kurt Cobain oh, was yeah. writing number one hit songs. Like, he had a catalog that was going to earn money. Still fucking earns money today. I'm sure it earns plenty. All those Nirvana t-shirts not being sold at fucking Walmart right now, making money. Now, if you're Courtney Love and you're a talentless fucking hack, right? You just, you, you got, you got to, if you're a Kamala Harris, where you sucked your way into success, <laughs> you could easily, easily bump off somebody like Kurt and be a fucking millionaire and set for the rest of your life. Why wouldn't you? Especially when they, when they want to dump you and get rid of you and get away from you because you're a heroin addicted whore, <laughs> you know, like. Which, which some people say that she got Kurt addicted to heroin in the first place, and she got pregnant pretty pretty quickly after they they started dating. So it's kind of like the Yoko Ono thing. Oh yeah, I mean John Henry's talked me off the ledge with a lot of these types of ladies over the years. So <laughs> this is this is a familiar fucking story. <laughs> uh, can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely can confirm but i mean th that's the thing though like luckily, this is you ended up on the right side of it uh, what was that dude <laughs> i said luckily you ended up on the right side of it came out of it 
I wouldn't say unscathed, <laughs> no. mildly scathed, but uh, yeah, there's some scars there. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah, it, the scars I could deal with. It's it's the bumps that reappear that you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> You know how I got these scars? <laughs> yes, yes, uh, absolutely. I'm sorry. Sir, is this your middle to monkeypox right now? Because <laughs> you don't want those fucking bumps. Have you guys seen any of the footage of like guys talking about that and showing how fucking gnarly that disease is? I think it was on Pornhub, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't looking at that, Chris, but... <laughs> Um, no, no, that we were watching a no, no, Chris, you're watching a video called Monkey Cox. <laughs> yes, I'm talking oh, about oh, Monkey Pox. <laughs> honest mistake. Hey, we've all been there. Yeah, <laughs> we've all been there. But I mean, some of these guys are like, yeah, this like they're they're basically documenting their experience with it. Oh, for fuck's sake, man! Yeah. All over their face, giant fucking pustules. It is so fucking gnarly. Oh, keep going. Yeah, no, yeah. Put it away, Chris. <laughs> Chris, if you turn your damn camera on right now, yeah, this is the man tits. Not the time. Not the time for the camera. More than that, I mean, what? folks. I told you this is going to be a fun one. It is a fun one. Oh man, let me let me pull up that article though, because uh, yeah, yeah, because I mean, there's so much you can go so with the Kirk Cobain thing. Yeah, but I, I love the fact that like you could give like people that uh, again, like, like a brief one hundred and one, if you will, about everything that went into this you know up because i actually went and i called in and uh i i talked to john potash when he was on uh, don don jeffrey's show i protested a couple weeks ago and i asked him what are, what's your suspect list yeah and he went into the uh alan wrench thing and i'm like no 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 because i actually talked to the guy who most likely did pull the trigger and it was uh someone i mentioned earlier that was actually in the house and he ended up having a uh an art gallery in uh, Beverly Hills. And this was like a decade ago. Oh, that figures because I mean, I, I, I'm sure you know this Chris from some of the research you've done on different various political things. Um, a great way to hide dark money is in art. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, hence yeah. the whole Hunter Biden fucking art thing. Like as soon as I started doing, that, I was like, we know that yeah. bullshit move. Like <laughs> it's just like somebody that you play in Madden, you know, they're going to fucking run the ball in the same play. Right. Like, it's like, we know we're going to yeah. run that fucking play. You bitch. Like, why are you doing that? Like, we know this, but they do it anyway yeah. and they get away with it mostly. So, I mean, why not? I mean, if you, you continue gaining yards, why not do the same run play over and over and over again? <laughs> Spamming yeah. motherfuckers. But anyways, um, let's read uh, a little bit of this. It says, if so, the question is why here when it comes to, um, the, the cover up here, the U S intelligence cover up says the grisly death of mega rock star Kurt Cobain in 1994. And it says by a shotgun blast to his head was officially ruled a suicide by the Seattle police, but evidence quickly came to light that Cobain had actually been murdered. However, despite serious holes in the official narrative, and again, that's what people like us and Chris and others out there listening probably do is that we look for the, the holes in the narrative um, about Cobain's death here, it says the verdict of suicide has held firm for 27 years. On May 7th, the FBI quietly and without fanfare, fanfare yeah, declassified 10 pages. They gave us a whole 10 pages. They probably have 15,000 yeah. fucking pages, folks, but they gave us 10 oh, yeah. of never be before seen documents relating to Cobain's death which alongside a mass of accumulated evidence suggesting that the agency had purposely avoided looking into the radical activist musician's death. One potential explanation for this failure could be due to the CIA's involvement in the murder. Wow. 
The latter seems plausible given the connections to the CIA of Courtney Love. Cobain's former wife, who is the top suspect in the murder. Love happened to be a drug distributor during the same time that the CIA was heavily involved in trafficking opium and using drugs as political weapons. The latter links call for deeper scrutiny. Now, here's here's a plausible thought too, Chris, is that by eliminating Kurt Cobain but keeping his royalties and money, wouldn't that be a brilliant way for the CIA to get dark money funding, sort of like it did in the drug war anyway? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, yeah, it's a good call. <laughs> it's all going back to the house at yeah, the end, right? Trust the house always yeah, fucking trust. wins in this. In the- <laughs> house, yeah, never bet against the house. <laughs> But now it says Opium Wars, MK Ultra, Musicians, and Courtney Love. Wow, that's a lot. It says uh, Professor, uh, Professor Al McCoy, Peter Dale Scott, and numerous other authors have documented how the U.S. launched the second longest war in U.S. history, at least partly for the control of the Golden Triangle of poppy fields around Vietnam in the 1960s. Well, where did they go from there? Oh, they went to Afghanistan. That's yes, why we're there for over 25 fucking years, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's not because we were doing anything of any fucking value whatsoever besides learning right. how to build a security state, um, yeah. separate people in society, and take all of their uh, personal liberties away. Does this sound familiar to anybody out there? <laughs> oh, oh. oh, yeah. And, and, to push, and to push big pharma profits because where are they getting all the opium from? For the fucking opium war here in the United States against us, the people. The, yeah. the true opium war was against us in the modern times. How many deaths? How many suicides? How many, how many musicians are we talking about here tonight that have been on heroin? Or had somebody in their circle you know, lost to heroin? I mean, yeah. Chris, you probably know somebody that was affected by that drug. I know I'm affected by some John Henry. I'm sure you know plenty of people too that were affected by that drug. Yeah. Brought to you by Pfizer, brought to you by Eli Lilly, brought to you by all these, these cunts in the past that, that have worked with the military to take the poppy fields of whether Vietnam or, or in Afghanistan and bring it home to us to ruin people's lives. But when you, I'll say, I'll say this one thing here. If you don't mind, I don't mind Um, at all, man. That's why we do this. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, know the man, but I loved his, I cried for days when they found his body, um, in his condo, but the late, great Lane Staley of Alice in Chains, who, by the way, also, uh, thought that Kurt was murdered too. And, uh, I wonder if they aided him. I wonder if that aided him in his latter days. You know, like with somebody like that's that emotionally connected as Elaine. So like when you listen to Elaine's voice, you know, he's emotionally fucking connected. Right. And yeah. and it's something like that weighing on his conscience. I'm, I'm sure that that led to his passing. Yeah, because uh, Courtney, actually, there was a book um, on Alice in Chains where it was revealed that when Courtney, when Kurt was supposedly missing, I guess there was like a day or two. She knew pretty much where Kurt was most of the time, but there was a day or two that he was missing that he, Courtney actually called up Lane Staley's stepfather, Jim Elmer, and asked if uh, he was with Lane and uh, asked if Lane knew anything about it. So, and Lane, in a 1996 interview, Lane actually said that Kurt picked him up in his car, this Volvo that he had, 
and gave him a ride to uh, like the grocery store or something. And the whole ride over, and this was about a month before Kurt's body was found. It was, uh, I think it was like right before the Rome incident, uh, right before that, Elaine said that all Kurt could talk about was how he loved being a father and how he talked about his little girl, Francis Bean, the whole time. And that when he was found dead, it it made Lane, you know, think like, what the hell? This guy had everything like he didn't appear to be suicidal at all. I, I know some people will be like, well, that's how suicidal people can be sometimes all happy and stuff right before. But the way that Lane was describing it was that, you know, he had all these plans and everything he was talking about on the ride over to the grocery store and that they actually shared a um they had they shared a mutual friend named Mark Lanigan from the Screaming Trees. Okay. And Mark Lanigan actually went and helped Tom Grant uh with one of Kurt's other friends, Carlson, the guy who bought the shotgun for Kurt for protection, home protection, not to kill himself. Because uh, actually, if you think about it, uh, he, Kurt had three other, uh, he had two other, uh, he had, what do you call it in the shotgun? I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. He had, he was loaded with three shotgun shells. Oh. So. You don't do that to kill yourself. Was he going to miss? <laughs> yeah. Well, was he going to miss two other times before, you know, succeeding? So anyway, yeah, that's my the Lane Staley connection kind of. Wow. Um, it's just sad. I don't think anything happened to Lane when it comes to conspiracy or anything. It just yeah. when you brought up the opium and the heroin and stuff, and that guy was definitely taken out by all this crap. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the death toll there. Like, if we if the uh, if the U.S. government had to pay us as the American people back, if they had all send us like a fucking stimulus check, right? And the amount of money yeah. that they would owe families. For the deaths that they had caused and bringing drugs over here into this country, could you yeah. imagine how big that fucking check would be, boy? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where the two point three trillion uh, that Rumsfeld said was missing. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe uh, the day before nine eleven. Maybe uh, that's what you know. Maybe that's what their plan was to uh, give us all checks back. You know, except that it all got blown up. You know, that's actually what's kind of funny about all this recession talk this week. We're we're acting a based on a false premise that they give us, right? Because their numbers and, and John Henry, you could probably speak to this too, is that their numbers, whenever they quote something that's happening economically, they're all worked. None of those numbers are real. The 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 fucking unemployment numbers aren't real. We've known that for a long time. Like the job counts, all these numbers, they fudge all these fucking numbers. And then they hide entire other numbers, entirely other separate black books for the CIA and other operations away from us. Please, I mean, when you have them talking about, uh, you know, that this has been a recovery from Trump's terrible economy. <laughs> and even now, I mean, Janet Yellen, everybody's going, this isn't a recession. And, and it, I mean, what's amazing is obviously we reference 1984 so frequently on here, um, but they just create what the truth is, yep. right? It's two plus two is whatever Big Brother says it is. It's whatever the state says it is, where not only do you redefine what a recession is, what a boy is, what a girl is, they've <laughs> redefined the word fucking definition. Yep. Definition has been refined. That's real. Redefined. That's a real fucking thing. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. It is a real thing. They just change a definition <laughs> of definition. It's so fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> 
So it's all fabricated. It's all skewed. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, guys. <laughs> yeah, you'd like to think so. Right, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but uh, to jump back into this article from Potash, uh, just to kind of wrap up this article and move on to the next segment, it says the U.S. Senate's Church Committee. For those of you out there that are not familiar with this shit, please. Uh, Jimmy Dore talked about this a lot on his show, which I love. Um, but th- there's other people that have brought this up. Go look up the church committee and, and study a little bit about that because it'll it'll explain to you what your government is really fucking up to, possibly. Um, now, it says the investigation of MK Ultra, which is brought up several times here in tonight's conversation, and I'm glad uh, because it's important. It says, along with later revelations, detailed how U.S. intelligence particularly focused on using drugs and female assets against activist musicians. Now, just erase for a second activist musicians and put in any political target there, any political dissident. Hell, it could be Hunter Biden even. Was he drawn into a life of of using prostitutes and drugs because he was sort of honeypotted into it? Who knows? But many sources detail how Courtney Love uh, started using hard drugs as a young teenager and prostituted herself in various parts of the world. Uh, there's a picture of Kurt with his baby there. I mean, that's just, that's the kind of thing when you talk about these, um, these stories in which you just mentioned here about Kurt talking about how happy he was to be a father and how somebody could leave that all behind, you know, and, and do that with suicide. John Henry, as a father, when you talk about, you know, your life here on, on the podcast and stuff like that too, and you see stories like this all the time in the news of fathers being taken away from their children in these violent ways. And a lot of it due to our, our, our government or our government's stupid fucking rules, like with this Evalde shooting and, and things of that yeah. nature. Like, I, I think it really does, it does speak to like our, our human nature. Like this isn't a story about music. This isn't necessarily a story about politics. This is a story about human life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when becoming a father, it, it, your entire idea of what your purpose is becomes completely redefined. And, you know, as Chris was talking about, uh, you know, that the separation from Nirvana and what he wanted to do, like, fuck man, for me, if I have a long day at work, I miss my kid. Like I genuinely, truly in my heart, I miss my daughter and can't get, I can't wait to get home to see her. So you think, I can only imagine that, you know, part of that stepping out of the limelight is really just a matter of schedule and him wanting to, if he was so in love with his daughter, which I know what that feels like to be able to be there for her even more. So he wouldn't take his wife or his life rather in a way when, you know, the baby's mom is a a drug addled fucking scumbag. Yeah. You're not going to do that. Right. That in itself, I mean, for you to just go, you know what, that's a wrap. Uh, I'm just going to hope that Courtney Love does a, a good job as a mother to my child or setting an example of what a strong, independent woman can be. That's a brilliant That's angle, man. I'm glad I asked you that question, though, because this makes yeah. this makes a lot more sense to me because they, who in Your their right mind would leave a child in the hands of fucking Courtney Love? <laughs> no. No, right? I mean, and, and if that's the concern, and obviously they had a toxic relationship, and I mean, you know, as Chris is talking about, the nanny was her ex-boyfriend. Like, what What in the actual fuck is that about? Yep. No way she, in hell. She, she pushed all of his friends away, too, his real friends away, and, and brought in all of her people, like Pat Smear. Well, yeah, and Chris, I mean, you mentioned that she had crazy. cop friends, too, that helped her with drugs and other things yeah, on the, the podcast the, with Billy Ray. It, 
that's another reason why that Seattle PD will never ever really reopen the investigation is because they would be liable for the over a hundred copycat suicides worldwide be that of all these teenagers that thought that their hero went out the, the way he did and that they should do the same. Wow. And there's a lot of people that have written to Tom Grant, the private investigator that uh, keeps, you know, kept the uh, Cobain murder uh, scenario alive in the public and he hasn't really made that much money from it. You know, almost one, actually, I think he did go bankrupt a couple of times, but he recalled how there were people that would write to him and say, and thank him for, you know, talking about this because they were thinking about going out the same way that, that Kurt did. But then when they heard that it was possible that he was murdered, you know, they kind of put the brakes on that and rethought their own situation and everything. So yes, Sergeant Cameron, apparently of the homicide division was friends with Courtney and he actually was forced into retirement pretty early a couple of years later because he ended up, there was a scandal where he he uh, he let one of his uh, fellow officers, you know, take money from the evidence locker and someone caught them. So he kind of got compromised there and he ended up retiring before they could, uh, you know, arrest him or, or boot him out, you know. So he kind of took the easy way. And then he died a couple of years after that. Anyway, Nicholas Hothshorn, the, uh, the coroner there, was an old uh, whole... Uh, an old friend of Courtney and was a, a roadie for, for hole and was, uh, you know, how the hell do you go from being a roadie to a coroner? That's that, that's a life story. I want to hear about too. Well, that's the thing. He was, he was a big part of what, you know, the suicide ruling and he ends up dying in a weird bungee jumping accident, like years later too. Um, Also, by the way, Seattle PD, declared an open shut case of uh, suicide within hours and had a press conference at the end of Kurt's driveway. They already had a statement so, written before it fucking happened. Probably. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I mean, without any kind of forensics or any you know, fingerprint testing, anything, they already labeled it open shut. So that would put them, you know, in a very, you know, bad situation well, that screams um, of intelligence operation already doesn't it like pre-coordination kind of, and pre-alignment yeah. of all these different facts and 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 uh, you know the the ends that people have gotten to through deductive reasoning they're just like yeah we already did the whole sherlock holmes thing in like two seconds and we 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 fucking know everything that happened already so here's the story you know like two hours o- later open, after he's it, dead yeah it's an open and shut case of suicide yet yet the volvo that i was mentioning earlier mm-hmm. that kurt drove lane in all four tires were slashed in the garage that was right underneath the greenhouse where his body was found. So I guess Kurt really didn't want to go anywhere, you know, in his car and his other car actually parked on the other side with a for sale sign put in the back window. And so someone didn't want Kurt, you know, getting around easily. And there was actually evidence in a melody maker issue of the, yeah, magazine, uh, British magazine Melody Maker, mm-hmm. where it was it was mentioned that Kurt actually, you know, filed a police report on April second that you know he was in fear for his life. So, I guess someone that's in fear for their life, you know, just happens to want to be 
people as well. Like, I just it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, when you were speaking there and you mentioned, like, uh, just that connection between Kurt and Lane? Uh, can you imagine if we had them invited on tonight's show? Like, and imagine what they could tell us and what they could say, especially like their perspectives on today's world. I would love to hear, you know, like somebody from like, like a Kurt Cobain. I, I talk a lot about Frank Zappa. I'm a huge fan of Frank Zappa and just like, especially with what he got into with politics, you know, what I was introduced to uh, him uh, in the eighties and nineties when he started to speak out on shows about things like this too. Um, but just like to have them around, I mean, it's just, it's such a fucking betrayal uh, to, yeah. you know, just to society and to culture, you know, to, to, to snuff out a life or to take out a life like that and to lose a life like that, man, it's just, it, it pisses me off. But, um, and just to wrap it up here, Chris, um, was there, yeah, yeah, was, yeah that's pretty much uh, it. I just want to let everyone know that yeah. the copycat suicides kind of what Tom Grant, you know, kept him going yeah. to keep the word out there. So that's saving. I mean, how many people could that have saved? You know, like uh, this, that just shows you how, again, it's undersold. The, 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 the power of music is often overlooked, but it, it's yeah. so extraordinarily powerful in our lives. And many people recognize that. I mean, Chris, you and I are fans, John Henry, you're a fan, you know, of music and, you know, for people that look at this as sort of in, a, in just a passive way, you know, where they just turn, you know, they used to turn on the radio, but nowadays, you know, they just go on whatever fucking streaming service and stream whatever song, or they're in the grocery store and it smells like Team Spirits playing at the grocery store or something. They're like, yeah, you know. But the and all those damn DJs too. I don't mean to cut no, you off. Okay. But something that really pissed, something that really pissed me off over the years is all these these fucking DJs that would make all these suicide or uh, shotgun to the head jokes and all this other shit. Always made me sick, and it was all it happened over and over and over again. The last, you know the last 25 years or whatever, all the way up until, like you said, where we don't really have regular radio anymore. But before that, when we still had DJs and oh, shit, those people would like suck the blood out of a fucking corpse, you know? Well, it was almost like they were reading from a script because they all sounded the same with their, their corny jokes, so like suicide yep. jokes and shit. Well, they're all know? making the same jokes about the shots now. Like if you listen in, they make the same jokes yeah. about race. They make the same joke. They're all coordinated jokes. They're all coordinated bullshit talking points that they, all, all these bastards read. And, and I cut you off, so no, I'm sorry. No, so. but actually, on that note, that's a beautiful segue into uh, this article. Um, this was we're going to switch into the the oh, mind yeah. blowers uh, category here because this is the one that one that blew my mind. Now, I grew up a fan of the Scorpions. I do like me some Scorpions. In fact, when I was out in Vegas at the Hard Rock out there, they have a collection of leather jackets up on the wall, and they got some sick ass yeah. ones, bro. They got Motorhead. They got a bunch of great leather jackets. That fucking Scorpions one, though. Like I was like looking around. I'm just like, how how long would it take me to get up there on the wall and try and grab that shit? I bet you somebody's trying to do that before though. But not not saying don't well, steal, you, folks. You, well, yeah, don't steal from Planet Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. not Planet yeah. Hard Rock. Yeah. But uh, what is your thought? Do you have any thoughts? And I wouldn't suggest anyone look this up because it might actually be considered child pornography now. But one of their covers, uh, I think it was the Scorpions. One of their covers had like a very very young girl on the on the front of it. And I think some people actually do child pornography now, the way she's like dressed and everything. Oh. It, 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 I think you know, the Scorpions. Oh, no. I, I'm, I'm thinking of blind, I'm thinking of blind faith. Um, oh, that could yeah, be there was, yeah, uh, was Steve Winwood. Yeah. Uh, was it Steve Winwood and blind faith? Yeah. Cause the, the cover it's like, uh, correct me if, if it's coming into your mind, Chris, it's like, a adolescent looking girl. She's like kind of gingerish, kind of red, reddish hair. Yeah. And then she's yeah. got like, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. No one looked this up because it actually could be considered uh, what I said. Yeah. You know, now. Um, actually, shout out to my dad if he's listening. My dad has that <laughs> album because um, he was a huge Blind Faith, Eric Clapton, Steve Winwood fan, like loved all that shit. You know, like Presence of the Lord is such an awesome song. Like Blind Faith was a, a sick, underrated, like super group band. But like, yeah, they they came out with that album cover, and then it was just like it, it was it was censored afterwards. But it was one of those things, like kind of like uh, Leonard Skinner's Street Survivors uh, album. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that, Chris. Oh, but yeah, because um, yeah, uh, for the uninitiated in the audience, there with the Skinner stuff, um, Leonard Skinner was in a horrible plane accident. In case you've never heard, uh, but before, oh, yeah, as this was all going on, they released an album called Street Survivors, where they're on the album cover, all standing there on fucking fire. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, oh, and like yeah. the record executives after like they, they were still they were making mad money after the after the uh plane crash because people that they, they made press so people were like listening to free bird and whatever and buying their albums they became rock martyrs like kirk Cobain. yeah absolutely yeah, yeah but actually i do want to say that don't anyone don't look this up i mean you could look it up on wikipedia but it yeah. was the scorpions it was an album oh. called virgin killer oh okay they got they got into a lot of trouble for oh, that. shit wow all right, so well, the Scorpions. I don't mean to, uh, if you like them. I don't mean to. You know, oh, no. I like like you know, rock me like a hurricane, stuff like that. So I can't. You oh, know, yeah. I don't want to shit on anyone's. You know, like no, that's the thing, and and like especially when you go back into and Chris, we had this conversation off air um, about Zeppelin and me. It's just like I grew up with a lot oh, of yeah. Zeppelin in my life, but when you read these fucking stories about Led Zeppelin now and the shit they did with women. Bro, I, I oh, love I love women. You know, all you, all you lady listeners shark. out there, we love y'all. I mean, you just the, the female oh, yeah. form and everything's beautiful. We enjoy it. But <laughs> a fucking mud shark, the mud yeah. shark story. God, wow. I, I have no idea. Like, it would never even enter my mind. And, and John, knows, yeah. John Henry, you know, you know that I've I've said some fucked up shit. I've done, you know, I've done some things. But <laughs> and that's a dark mind. <laughs> yeah, that is that is further than where my creativity and stream of consciousness will allow me to go. But um, yeah. this is why this was so mind blowing to me because, like, we've talked about, and I'm sure that everybody maybe listening can see a pattern thus far, is that we've talked about the CIA and John Lennon, we've talked about the CIA and uh, and Kurt Cobain. Let's talk about the fall of the Berlin Wall. That was a big political thing, right? You know, so when oh, yeah. the Berlin Wall fell, it had sort of a soundtrack to it. Now, part of that was David Hasselhoff. Who knows there, right? But uh, <laughs> the other part of it was the Scorpion. Yeah, think about that, though. Like, that that's thats the thing that should like be a tip to all of us out there, that somehow David fucking Hasselhoff was, was critical in the propaganda campaign around the fall of the Berlin Wall. How? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Who? Who? <laughs> Who came up with that? But it said, did the CIA... Well, there was an owl on the podcast there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> but it says, did the CIA write the Scorpion's Winds of Change? One of the best-selling songs of all time. Now, it said, by the time the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, it seemed the fate of the Soviet Union was all but sealed. It would be two more years before the USSR officially dissolved and flew the Soviet flag over the Kremlin for the last time. But the age of Cold War belligerence officially ended with the 1980s, so it seemed. Soft power and suasion would finish the job. And what a better way to announce the transition than with the soft rock stylings of a power ballad like the Scorpions' Wind of Change. 
The sentimental song from German metal and hard rock favorites was suddenly inescapable in 1990. I had the CD, and it was not all subtle about its message. The song became a massive hit and remains one of the best-selling singles of all time. That's a that's a pretty good mark to hit in in music, boy. There's, there's a lot out there, so to be included in that. But it said it served as a soundtrack of sorts to a political and cultural revolution. Well, so did uh, the Animal Farm that the CIA produced, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. It's, that E. Howard Hunt of uh, Watergate and JFK fame, he's the one that went and scooped up those rights from the Orwell estate to do that for the CIA. Oh, yeah. And E. Howard Hunt, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't he the one that was claimed, uh, or supposedly, wasn't he deep throat as well? No, that was Mark Felt. Mark Felt. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We, we have the correction. All right. Now, it says, uh, the song became a massive hit. Yes, yeah, says, uh, writes uh, Richard Beinstock at Rolling Stone. There they are. Uh, oddly, especially in the light of Scorpion's background, Wind of Change was neither the Berlin Wall nor the, the German homeland. Instead, the song was ostensibly sired by a historic two-day festival that the band played in Moscow in 1989, a so-called hard rock Woodstock featuring metal royalty. And this is a amazing uh, lineup here, folks. Ozzy Osbourne, Motley Crue, Cinderella, eh, and Skid Row. Skid, Skid Row's earlier stuff, their first couple albums, man, man, they're fucking good. Alongside hard rock yeah. Soviet bands like Gorky Park, and they're mentioned in the song too. Uh, three months after, I don't know about you, but I would have, uh, I would have preferred uh, what was it, 1991, when Metallica and Pantera were there. Oh yes, and there was like I thousands, sh- hundreds of thousands. <laughs> I show people all the time the video of Dimebag playing in front of that crowd. And I'm like, listen, if I if I could die a happy human being, like you put me put me on that stage with that kind of energy, boy. There's nothing <laughs> that even matches that. Like four hundred thousand fucking people or some shit like that too. Just all going or nuts. When you, yeah, when you see like Harvester of Sorrow, you see Metallica, and like everyone's headbanging. There's like a sea of people, and like this helicopter looks like it's about to crash down on everyone. Yeah, we love that shit, and I love the look on the soldiers' faces there. They're all puckering their assholes, man. They're all like. There are hundreds of thousands of people here that could just wow out at any moment and tear our heads off. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it could get like it's zombie awesome. infestation and they all run fast real quick. here. <laughs> but um, it says three months after the concert, the Berlin wall fell. The Scorpions lead singer Klaus mine uh, wrote the words, the world is closing in. Did you ever think that we could be so close like brothers? The future's in the air. I can feel it everywhere blowing with the wind of change. The iconic whistled intro, too, which I love because whistling. Uh, lighters in the air video uh, cemented Wind of Change as a definitive statement on how the children of tomorrow. Ooh, <laughs> there you go, Silas. Yeah, this is another like, what? who are the children of tomorrow? What are they? Are they the transhumanist Satanist cult members? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll share their dreams. In a globalized world. Oh, yes. This is sounding all too much familiar now. I'm glad we went back and looked at this. Uh, Tantalizingly vague. I wonder why. The lyrics read like a surrealist ad copy sliding back and forth between uh, doggerel and weird symbolist incantation. Wow. (laughs) 
Nothing to see here, Nothing folks. Nothing to see there with the real <laughs> weird symbolist <laughs> incantations. Just disregard those. Man, have I done that a lot in my life? Oh, there's there's nothing behind that satanic symbology. There's nothing behind numbers. There's nothing behind Geomatra, right? Right, John? <laughs> but sometimes a virgin sacrifice is just a virgin sacrifice. Yes, yeah, that's it. Thank you, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> the, the, or the Tavistock Institute. Maybe we'll talk about them next, man. I, I think that actually would be a great article to pull up. But it said that the wind of change blows straight into the face of time, like a storm wind that will ring the freedom bell. What kind of freedom? Are you free to be a slave? Uh, for peace of mind, freedom is slavery. Uh, let the, uh, bo- what is that? Balaka? Balakala? Bala- ba- baklava? Yeah, let, the ba- let the baklava <laughs> get your hands sticky, it says. Because uh, it's all the uh, baklava. Yeah, baklava. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, the thing you wear in your face when it's cold. But my guitar wants to say, and then it says, these lies it may not shock you to learn, may have been written by the CIA. <laughs> At least that's the mystery uh, driving the new eight-part podcast series, Wind of Change, writes Nicholas Qua at Vulture. Uh, you could listen on Apple, Spotify, Google, and uh, their website. And you could also find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Hmm, go figure. Uh, led by New Yorker staff writer Patrick Radden, Keefe, and produced by Pineapple Street's Henry Malofsky. The journey takes us uh, to a shape-shifting wonderland, hmm, a world where an American agency like the CIA may very well have participated in the production of pop culture as part of concerted efforts to build sentiment against its enemies abroad. And now domestically, probably. It might even be something that's happening right now, it says. Hmm, I agree with that. And on that note, actually, yeah, let me do find that one little miss. I have this whole miscellaneous section where I included some of those things. Um, and let's, let's find that Tavistock Institute thing real quick. It's all connected. Yeah, let's pull this one up. This is from Winter Watch, folks. All right, it says, speaking truth to power, the Tavistock, yes, this is the one, because I wanted to show John Henry this. John Henry, look at this fucking building and tell me, tell me, there ain't some weird shit going on here, right? I'm not into architecture. In fact, looks like an Aztec temple, dude. It's so weird looking two pillars in the middle. And these things up here, is that to connect to the portholes that CERN opens that they connect to the demons with? That's the- oh, oh, sh- sh- oh. you heard about that too. Yeah, uh, brother. Oh, oh yeah. gentlemen. Oh, hold on now. Pump the brakes there. Big dogs. We're going to get to that part. <laughs> oh, that's all coming. Oh, that's all coming. Oh, it's coming. Oh, man. But it says here in the article, the Tavistock Institute's ties to the birth of rock and roll. So, yes, when you think that your favorite genre of music is this, this organic movement that comes from, you know, culture and and the history of music and derivative of great work, uh, uh, it just might be fed to you through an organization like the CIA or the Tavistock Institute. But it says the likelihood that the Tavistock Institute was heavily involved in the rock and roll amusement music movement is high. There is even a theory advanced by former MI6 agent, again, most trustable people on earth, the intelligence, uh, John Coleman, that Theodore Adorno wrote the lyrics for the Beatles, wow, and other British invasion bands. There's not much evidence to support that aspect of the plot, but Adorno did try to influence and contaminate music. Therefore, Adorno very well could have been one of the brains behind rock and roll. Driven Mad, quote-unquote, is taken from Tavistock's training manual. 
From its modest beginnings in 1921, Tavistock was ready in 1966 to launch a major irreversible cultural revolution. Sounds like an op. AKA the mass culture industry in America. One that had not yet ended. One that has not yet ended. Sorry. According to the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, Adorno was born on September. Wow. <laughs> There's a. Who was the other, who's the other one that we were just meant? You, I think you mentioned earlier that in 1979, someone was born on September 11th, too, right? Yeah, we talk a lot uh, since our interview with Salas a lot about the significance of these dates, right? And how they line yeah. up with occultist themes, particularly in Kabbalah, you know. Um, but yeah, it doesn't shock me at all that this person was born on September 11th. Well, because Dylan Klebold from Columbine, one yeah. of the, the two uh, that they said was, you know, the two gunmen or whatever. Oh, yeah. I think there's a lot more, but he was born September 11th, 1981, exactly 20 years beforehand. Yeah. So I was just, that's why it sticks out at me right now. Yeah, no, but it's good though. And that's the thing too. Like I want more things to stick out to people <laughs> when they hear things now. That's the whole point of, of shows like this and all the shows that we do too, uh, Chris. And it's just like getting people to see those things and have them stick out and be curious and follow up on them and find their way to the information, find their way to podcasts like ours and find their way to these articles. So um, now, yeah. it says uh, 1903, uh, that's also, ooh, uh, as uh, Theodore Ludwig uh, Weissgrund, uh, he was yet another one of those mixed hybrids from Frankfurt. Ooh, the Frankfurt School, too. There's another that we keep <laughs> discovering in our research. He was the scion of yet another hidden Sabbatean Frankist bloodline. There you go. Hidden bloodlines. That's another, that's a whole other special we could do. Um, he was yeah. the only son of wealthy German wine merchant. Mercant mercantilists are taking over, aren't they, Vince? Uh, shout out to my friend Vince um, uh, Agnali, too, who might be listening. Of assimilated Jewish background. Now, his mother was an accomplished musician of Corsican Catholic, des uh, Catholic descent. Maria Cavelli Adorno della Piana was an eminent opera singer. So, yeah, if you think rock and roll was the only thing infiltrated, they, they probably had opera, too, back in the day. Or at Lincoln's Hangout. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and another thing that... Who's that, um, who's that painter that was really ridiculous? He would just throw paint at the wall, and they'd be like, here it Jackson is! Jackson Pollock. He was... Uh, that was... Uh, that I had the article for Dawn. Um, that was totally CIA. Wow. To get people to appreciate crap. Oh, fuck. Literally. And that, that ties into the whole question I had for Don the other night on Spaces, which is like these Hollywood biopics that we see, are they, are they uh, works of love and admiration for the person, or are they part of a greater narrative or perception management? And I remember a few years ago how they came out with that movie, that biopic of, for Jackson Pollock, you know, making popcorn. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, anytime that is one of those, you should probably look into the person a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah. If there's a Hollywood biopic about them, it's probably bullshit, and you should probably look into more shit. <laughs> that, that's that's the yeah, new exactly. rule. That's the new razor we're gonna develop here on tonight's show. <laughs> I don't know what we'll call it, but we'll come up with something. Uh, but yeah, so not only you know, is opera out there, but it says Berg was another overrated but pr uh, promoted composer of hideous music, which Adorno picked up. The following video is recorded of an. Awful piano piece. Oh, they really put it over. Adorno himself composed and performed. This is the 12th atonal system, consisting of heavy, repetitive sounds taken from the music of the cult of Dionysus 
and the Ball Priesthood. I wonder if it's worse than Love Shack. Because <laughs> Yeah, it's going to a rock lobster. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dude, there are certain to You sent me a couple articles about torture songs, and brother, like anything from the fucking the rock lobster uh, Love Shack. Who, who are the people that did that song? B-52s. Yeah, B-52s. I, I don't, I, I'm not saying that they're shit musicians. I'm just saying they're bad, but I can't fucking stand those fucking songs, dude. I can't stand Love well, Shack. Like anytime I'm at a wedding or any place, like, and everyone's dancing, I'm just like, I want to throw glass on the floor. Like, You know who one of their biggest uh, fans was in the beginning? Oh, no. Who would that be? Yoko Ono. Uh, well, that makes sense then because she exactly. is fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty terrible. There's nothing. Well, I have a shout out to my dad again and my uncle. They always make uh, jokes about Yoko Ono because she's awful. So anything awful in the world, they sort of compare, especially the song Why. <laughs> if you've ever listened to that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's If you ever get a chance, there's, there's um, John and Yoko go on uh, a show. I think it, Chuck Berry was hosting it. And Chuck Berry's playing a song with John, and John invites Yoko to come up. And when Yoko starts going, ah, 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 and whatever, the, you know, her voice is. Uh, yeah, whatever you want to call you that see, shit. Chuck, <laughs> you look at look at Chuck Berry's face, and it, it says it all. Oh, Chuck Berry didn't fuck around back in the day. Chuck Berry, I think, told Pete, uh, Pete uh, Keith Richards to go fuck himself, even after Keith Richards threw, like, a big concert in support of Chuck Berry. Like Chuck Berry yeah. didn't put up with no shit back in the day. I'm actually surprised he didn't walk over and just like fucking backhand her in on stage. Punch her in the face. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but it says Adorno licked his lizard lips. I like that. Dis- Are you saying he's reptilian? In describing this concoction, what could be urged against the Beatles? Uh, he said during a discussion, the magazine's Accente in 1965 is simply what the, these people have to offer is something that is retarded in terms of its own objective content. It can be shown that the means of expression that are employed and preserved here are in reality no more than traditional techniques in a degraded form. The 12 tone technique is also known as didacophony. Uh, it's a method of musical composition devised by Australian Jewish composer Ar- Arnold Schoenberg and associated with second Viennese school composers. Wow, this is getting deep. I fucking love this article. The great composer Richard Strauss, wow, damn, they're dropping a lot of fucking classical names here, described Schoenberg as being in need of a psychiatrist. (laughs) He said that he'd do better to shovel snow instead of scribbling on music paper. But let's just compare Schoenberg with Strauss and see where the rubber meets the road, shall we, it says. I don't think you have to be a musical ex- musical expert to understand. And then there's several other links here with this article. It's fucking great. Man, and it just gets uh, into origins, it says, of negative dialectics. Um, and then it says also down here, we went to down this rabbit hole. We had to check the confirmation bias that it would be uh, a full-blown Jewish cesspool. Indeed, in the 1920s, 1930s, this music form was denounced as a cultural Bolshevism and degenerate art. Really? Uh, definitely not rape rock, though, <laughs> by, no. by national socialists in Germany and Austria. Wow. It was called a Jewish leveling conspiracy. Wow. This goes back so deep, man. This is fucking, this is another great. Yeah, folks that uh, are picking up this uh, week's source list, definitely check out this article from Winter Watch. This is more than just DGL and throwing shit at people. A little know? bit more than that. Yeah. He also did punch women in the face too. If uh, he, he would definitely, I could see Yoko Ono getting punched in the face by Gigi Allen for oh, sure. Yeah, that, yeah. that was the encore. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to switch back to uh, the panel real quick and then just, um, uh, or 
actually, you know what? Before we get to that, one one more really quick one, because I want to let John Henry get into uh, the Ride of the Lightning round here, but I wanted to pull this up because we do have this saying, and Chris, I told you about it here on the show. Um, we have this game that we like to call Six Degrees to Pedophilia, and it's <laughs> really all about connecting people back to Jeffrey Epstein. And I mentioned yep. it before, but this fucking blew my mind, and especially with this I think this picture says, you know, they say a picture say a thousand words. Yeah. Look at this fucking picture. <laughs> Holy shit. Now, doesn't she look yep. like she's being, this is, is there a fucking gun to her back? Like I talked a lot of shit on Courtney Love here and she might be in, in it with, you know, fucking murdering uh, Kirk Cobain here. So we shouldn't have too much, but her face looks like she is into, she has like a, what the fuck type of face going on. And then when you talk about faces here, Prince Andrew's smile. John Henry, have you yeah. ever seen anything more delightful than the smile of this wonderful young prince? <laughs> I believe they call that the cat that ate the canary. Oh God. What's in the teapot? Is he drinking child blood out of the teapot? Is that, is that why for he looks sure. like that? No, that's the adrenochrome. Oh, dude, yes. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for going there. I was just about the to... The blood is behind him. Yes. Oh, my goodness. But this is from The Sun. Um, this is uh, back from 2019. Uh, Randy Royal. Uh, Courtney Love claims Prince Andrew turned up at her house at 1 a.m. looking for sex and not sweating because he doesn't do that, he says, after being introduced through a pedo Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, man. Now, I said... Because uh, that's who you want to uh, go to when you, you know, you're lonely at night. You know, you want to go to Courtney Love's house. 1 a.m. in the morning, too. How, how bad can you be Jones to want to see that at 1 a.m.? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on. It says, while they did not sleep together, yeah, well, accordingly, uh, Courtney, widow of Nirvana rocker Kurt Cobain, has told friends Andrew was very flirtatious. Oh, yes, as he was with all the young ladies. And uh, now they know over there in, in Britain, and he's being stripped of his titles. And possibly thrown out of his house. We'll see. But it says the 55-year-old singer was among those recently named in Epstein's infamous black book. Uh, she told a pal, I was in bed when the doorbell rang at 1 a.m. So put on my fluffy slippers and a dressing gown. And the queen's second son was standing there with a protection officer, totally unannounced. He said he got my address from a mutual friend. Get to that. And was looking to have a fun night in Hollywood. And apparently, I could show him a good time. He seemed to be looking for sex and was quite flirtatious. I offered to make him a cup of tea and thought it would be amusing to serve him out of a vintage china cup with the queen's face on it. We found it funny. We sat down on the sofa by the fire, and that is when he got quite flirtatious. He asked me what I did all day, which I found quite offensive. So I quipped back, what did you do all day, prince? He seemed amused and then pulled out the skull of a young boy. <laughs> In the end, he only stayed around for around 45 minutes. He says it was one of the most surreal things in my life. If that's one of the most surreal things in Courtney Love's life, <laughs> you know, it was fucked yeah. up. You know, it was fucked up. <laughs> now, it says if it's a photograph taken on the night, who's taken the photograph? That's what I was wondering when, yeah, when I first saw this. I'm like, all right, who's, you know. Wow. And then it says, in 2012, details of Epstein's so-called Black Book of Contacts and close associates emerged after it was found by the FBI, which, you know, they've had that since 2012. Where are we yep. at on the list? 
<laughs> where yeah. are we at on getting all the confirmations? Where are these people standing trial? Where are the charges? Yeah. yeah. And subsequently leaked, uh, Courtney's name was in it. Ooh. Now, it says Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, Alec Baldwin, and Ralph Fiennes have also been cited in the late billionaire's network of contacts. But in July, Epstein was arrested on federal charges, it says, for sex trafficking. Uh, this is, yeah. Folks, 2019. Wow, what a year. And then, then you look at what happened afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Like the year 2000 and then 2001, September. Yeah. And that's another thing too about time and years and all those changes, the change of the decades. You know, each decade has its own fucking thing. You know, different music yeah. genres that have to be popular. Disco sucks now. It always sucked. But I mean, you, you, you get like, yeah. uh, you get these movements in music. Remember when they brought like the fucking Macarena and all the Latin music and shit? Remember when swing was popular? Is that organic? I don't think it is. Yeah, I mean, someone's going to have my have gotten my letters by now. I mean, I don't think it's coming back. I mean, no one's writing me back on it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Bring back Macarena and shit. Oh man, but uh, uh, electric slide. Yes, the electric slide. Yeah, still that that would be a travesty if I tried to do that. So, but um, John, <laughs> how dare how you? Dare you? Yes, and uh, John Henry. Let's uh let's let's switch over to you so we could do this uh ride the lightning round now. I would like to get you in here to talk about some things. All right. This is fun, by the way, guys. Oh hell yeah, man. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> it's been dude. a good time. A lot of fun. We appreciate it, Chris. Right. Um yeah, man, going back to the Epstein thing, it's it, you know, and we talk about this so frequently, but it's the first time ever that you have sex traffickers where the people that actually paid to have the people traffic to them, the children traffic to them, none of them has been prosecuted, not a single one, you know, because it would bring down all of politics and all of Hollywood, which I don't necessarily think would be a bad thing. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. So, Hey, let's uh, cross our fingers on that one. By the way, that, would be, that would be the real great reset, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I agree. Yeah. 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 The the one that we would all be rooting for. Do you see that they're moving her to like a low security prison in Florida where they offer yoga classes and cooking class? Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's good for her. That's yeah, it's, it's, it's um, living her best life. <laughs> all right, guys, ride the lightning round. We're going to go through a couple different, well, quite a few different topics here. Uh, some of them, I'll just say a word. Some of them, I'll ask a question. Just want to get the first thing that pops into your mind. So we're going to start it off with, uh, being that we're talking about music, heavy metal, there's different couple ways uh, that you can listen to that. So either you can listen through it through speakers, or let's talk about AirPods. So Apple AirPods have really become a cultural sensation, pushing it where basically everybody has to have them hanging out of their ears, regardless of how, how fucking obnoxious that it is. So Apple AirPods meant to be a true convenience or emf melting our brain and giving us brain tumors what do you guys think uh, i'll go first i definitely think they're melting your brain i, I definitely think that there is a brain cancer connection i listened to uh, a woman named allison moreau uh, as a journalist that has a youtube channel out there and she's on rumble as well i believe uh, but she talked about that too that she just recently start, just stopped using any type of wireless earbuds because she's worried about the brain cancer that you could probably get through just emitting radio waves into your fucking brain all the goddamn time. Mm -hmm. And it's become a, an accessory that's must have for everybody. Chris, what do you think? Well, I think it's a brain cancer and the people that do that are a bunch of douche nozzles. Yeah, there's that too. 
<laughs> it's nothing like seeing somebody sit there with other people whilst they have fucking AirPods in their ears. All right, next one's an exciting one. It's a big one. Um, so over this last week, I have met two complete strangers, two separate families and instances, and both of these folks told me that they are a hundred percent sure that the firmament is real and we live on a flat earth. What do you guys think? I'll let Chris go first on this one since I took the last one. Well, I'll tell you, um, I'm not really married to any one theory because like my good friend, Donald Jeffries likes to say, we've been lied to about just about everything about our reality. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. I tend to I have a gut feeling that that probably isn't the case, but I, I don't. I'm I'm on the fence about the flat Earth or the hollow Earth thing. I think there might be something to the hollow Earth thing, possibly just with Ad, Admiral Byrd, you know, yes. and his expeditions and everything. But the flat Earth thing, I, I don't really find it that preposterous that it's a disc and not a sphere. I mean. I know it sounds like a cop-out, but I just haven't done enough research into it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I, on, on my end, I think the, the mathematical ability to judge from the curvature of the Earth, wind up in the same place, do all those sort of things, kind of proves that there is a spherical thing going on, but also that that could be manipulated. So, I mean, if we look at how uh, statistics, numbers, and things have been manipulated over the past two and a half years to in order to get people to buy into bullshit, hey— I'll be the first one. If, if if they come out tomorrow and said, guess what, bitches? You all were wrong. It's a disc. I'd be like, well, fuck it. You got me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a couple of things to follow up on. You know, one of these families, a uh, gentleman was military. And he actually made a joke that when you travel uh, around the globe as much as they do, that, you know, the military, they know it's a flat earth. Mm. So uh, apparently they have some type of saying that they say. And one of the things, uh, there's really two points that he brought up. The other gentleman talked a lot about the firmament. Um, but the two points the military guy brought up is, one, we've seen time and time again when you see maps, like um, for the World Economic Forum, that that is actually a flat earth map, the way that uh, the different countries are situated. One other unique thing is when planes are flying, so when planes are flying the same exact route in the direction that the earth is rotating or no, the opposite direction of the earth is rotating. Why do they not get to that destination much faster than it would be the other way? So a couple of unique things, uh, just to throw it out there. I'm not married to it either way, but I just think it's interesting that I've now met two complete strangers uh, in the last week and they've told me they were hundred percent convinced follow up question to that gentleman. If it is a flat earth and there is really an Arctic wall, what is on the other side of the Arctic wall? Oh, I was just about to say, like, if there is a flat earth, that means there has to be an underneath. And that would actually explain a hell of a lot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> of where these fucking people come from, their motivations, how they look at the world, you know, that they want to rule everything like reptilian overlords. If there was an underneath. society. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Chris, go. You, you could. Yeah. But that's my answer. But Chris, you could go on with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, what was I going to say? I, I was thinking, um. Can you repeat that real fast? Uh, yeah, what was the question again, John Henry? So, no worries, Chris. So the, the question, the follow-up question to the first question on flat yeah. Earth is, if in fact the Earth is flat and there oh, is an Arctic on, wall, yeah. what's on the other side? I'd probably go with what uh, Admiral Byrd mentioned uh, in 
this very very old interview that I think I actually sent to uh, yes you did yeah where he goes and talks about how there's this whole other uh, you know landmass that's almost this a little bit bigger than America and it's all beautiful and everything probably if that was the case it's probably something like that where it's like this beautiful landmass that you know the real the people who are really running the show that we've never heard their names ever they're you know it's probably something like that some kind of a paradise on earth that we're not supposed to know about because there's reasons why you know you could be arrested if you go past a certain point in the antarctic which is you know beyond it's beyond insane to me you you legally cannot go over those places planes cannot fly over there yep so great answers gentlemen i love it uh moving along let's talk about things outside of that because if you go back to that the firmament flat earth and if there is land masses outside of that then we really do live in just a very large version of the truman show yeah. uh, okay next let's talk about intergalactic beings aliens are they real or are they not real are they actually interdimensional demons like alex jones likes to say the jump in between dimensions i'm definitely giving aliens. that to chris jump. first man yeah Chris, tell me about it because you 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 mentioned ufos how you got into a lot of this stuff earlier so i just want to hear you later um, on. Yeah. i think that there are you know there are interdimensional you know life forms whether they're demons or angels or whatever i mean that puts a, a you know a religious thing a bent on it i guess uh, i whether they're you know nice or they're uh you know I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say here. <laughs> Whether they're good or bad, I guess, uh, is irrelevant. I, I think there's something to it. I mean, you look at string theory and everything. Uh, I do think that there are alternate dimensions. And I think that's where UFOs, you know, could come from and would explain a lot of these, uh, you know, appearing and then disappearing, you know, movements, at least uh, some of the UFOs. Um yeah, I think that there is intelligent life out there. And if they're very intelligent, they're going to avoid us like the plague. Okay, let me add one more piece of that. You can certainly touch oh, may on this, I interject Chris, something or number real six quick? if you want to go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was going to say, um, if you doubt that there's aliens on Earth, uh, look at fucking Jerry Nadler. <laughs> like look at people like that and what is it the health minister of belgium yeah. <laughs> she literally looks like fucking job look at janet yellen like this those are real people yeah. they, they had to come through yeah. a portal somewhere that's all i'm saying well, look at alien look- versus demon argument i am a hundred percent sure that nancy pelosi is a demon oh, true. well judge judy too judge judy yeah <laughs> they look pretty similar yeah Ooh. All right, so number six, before you go into the full answer, I'll throw one last level in there. Um, or are aliens a evolved version of us from the future coming back in time to visit us? Oh, shit. I mean, it's plausible, right? Like, if we think about time and what we know about time, and you just brought up something about, you know, traveling around the earth and time there, like, I have a hard enough time coordinating like a, a fucking time slot to have you and somebody else on from a different time zone. Right. <laughs> so like you're, you're probably going to fool me on the math here. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> but when it comes down to it, like um, I would accept, I would accept that, you know, as an answer or the fact that it could be like a huge CIA op, you know, 
that, to try and convince us that there's other things out there too, because that's always a plausible. Certainly, you know, and the reason I ask if you think that that potentially is an evolved version of us in the future coming back in time is very simple. If we all want the way that the progressive want us to, then we will be completely emasculated and basically have no sex, no gender, no nothing. <laughs> yeah, at that point. <laughs> we look like the grays <laughs> that's it right so at that point we'll uh, communicate through the metaverse with it's implanted in our swollen heads have no genitals no muscles no nothing because we won't need it uh all right moving along dinosaurs were they real were they not uh dragons same thing goes there and then i'll throw a little additional info on dragons coming up now i'm going to preface with my brother we had this long conversation and we continue to go back and forth he does not believe that dinosaurs are real because as he went through his studies uh they have never found an actual dinosaur skeleton that has been complete outside of mammoth skeletons which we know are basically just elephants so gentlemen Dinosaurs. Are they real? Were they real? Uh, the one exception to that is there's a lot of belief out there that dinosaurs were actually birds about the size of chickens or up to ostriches. And they had feathers. Yep. Exactly. Correct. So what do you guys think? Dinosaurs? I mean, that's kind of my answer um, already, though, is that I think that, yes, they probably existed, but uh, the one capitulation I would have to that is, is that our entire interpretation of them is probably wrong. Yeah, I, I've heard the same thing about how there haven't been any complete uh, skeletons found and that a lot of the time they just finish it with, uh, you know, with plaster or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, plastic or whatever. I don't know. And like anything you see in the museums and things, like they usually they only have like not even what 25% of the, the bones. And it's typically fragmented bones that they even piece those together. Exactly. So, you know, I, you know, it sounds like a cop-out, but I wasn't around back then, so I, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't exist. But then again, it wouldn't surprise me if they did exist. But right. a lot of them tend to, you know, a lot of scientists, which, I mean, I don't know if I believe them either, but, you know, the theory that they actually had feathers and things I mean, kind of makes sense in a weird way to me i I can't explain why though well where i live we have a tremendous amount of wild chickens and let me tell you those little fuckers are mean ass little dinosaurs yeah all right so dragons i'm gonna follow up to this one because when you go through a lot of different um you know ancient groups of people all over the world there's been a lot of documentation and cave paintings on dragons all different parts of the world. Now, I was reading a new idea on this of why there is, you know, so many ancient cultures that had referenced dragons, but there are no dragon skeletons, which is dragons had hollow bones the same way that birds do, so that when they died, those bones disintegrated very quickly. And that's why we have no fossilized records of dragons. So, gentlemen, dragons. Oh, I would say uh, very plausible. Again, our interpretation of them might be really fucked because, like, you couldn't just take like a canon snapshot of those bitches back in the day. <laughs> like, hey, this is what it is. But uh, the other thing too is that if you look at what we are as human beings, that we're mammalian, and a reptilian compared to us too is very alien. It's very scary. 
And also, uh, reptilians, I'm not going to say that they can't be warm and cuddly to you. Maybe they can. But uh, to me, a reptilian is something that's uncaring, uh, sort of lacks empathy, you know, just sucks the eggs out of the nest. You know, so when you have a predatory. So the governor of California. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Gavin Newsom. My uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris's uncle. Chris's uncle gets shit on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, when you look at the, the, the imagery involved there, too, if you want something scary, make it something foreign and alien to you, almost the antithesis, if you will, the antithesis synthesis uh, thing that we talk about all the time. Um, so, yeah. Well, right. I mean, I'll say this. Uh, you remind me, um, did they fly and did they breathe fire? Is that a dragon? Uh, yes, sir. Well, that can, that can be the, uh, that can be your extraterrestrial, uh, component back in the day that I mean, a lot of these same ancient societies and civilizations that you, you were mentioning, a lot of the, those same ones recorded, uh, thing, you know, UFO, like, you know, saucer, like craft in, in their, drawings and paintings and things too including the cavemen so uh, maybe that has something to do with that too god you guys got me thinking now what if outside the arctic wall there still are dragons but they can't make it through that cold mm. because yeah, but if they're breathing all that fire i think Ooh, I don't know. this is exciting yeah. i like these answers yeah. guys Maybe that's really what uh, is melting the the caps and all that uh, <laughs> dragon fire. Yeah. It could be. It could be. <laughs> all right. Next question. It's a great answer so far, guys. Have we been to the moon? Is the moon even really there? Oh fuck. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll take it first, Chris, because um, yeah. this is a, this. Is a, I mean, it's a really tough question to answer nowadays, right? Like uh, growing up, like if you would have, if you would ask me that question ten years ago, John Henry, like if you'd be like, "Listen, is the moon landing real?" I'd be like, "Fuck, what do you mean? It was on TV." <laughs> yeah. But nowadays, just like you know, is the shot ninety nine percent effective? Yeah, it was on TV. What the fuck yeah, do I know? They could have had anything up there. They could have been on a sound set. They could have fucking George Lucas in the back, along with all the other people that were involved in Altamont. <laughs> you sent me that story, Chris. That was fucked up too. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, they could have had anybody. They could have Wampas there. They had a fucking all the Star Trek characters come out. They had the little guy that laughs on Jabba the Hutt's fucking lap of Ralph Snart, uh, Snyder or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they, Leatherface and Pinhead. Yeah, they all could have been up there. They could have fucking Pinhead up there just like fucking humping the American flag while they were all playing golf. What the fuck that hey, I Hey, that's the Hellraiser puzzle box is really the moon. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm glad you made that connection because uh, I'm going to have to. I can't back that up, though. I can't back that up with documentation. Okay. Okay. But yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Chris, what, what would you say? Well, I'll say this. You want to know if we went to the moon or not? Read Wagging the Moon Doggy by Dave McGowan. And uh, I think it'll I think it'll give you a good idea. And also an- another anecdote. I believe that one of the sa- our satellites crashed down to the surface of the moon in the 60s, I think. And supposedly the moon rang like a bell for an hour as if it was hollow, like an ancient spaceship. Man, I wonder what that mm. fucking tone was. That'd be the sickest yeah. tone to sample ever. <laughs> you imagine a lead into <laughs> a breakdown with the fucking beats. moon bell. Fuck, fuck a China yeah. bell. <laughs> or, or, as you don't hear the reaper, but with the moon bell instead of the cowbell. Uh, yeah. 
I was thinking of more like uh, wa- wage slaves a, from uh, All Shall Perish. W Adorno's <laughs> piano piece that was just on there. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going back to that article and listening to all that shit. I'm going to give you my full review, John Henry, with the one article <laughs> we brought up, all the crazy uh, classical music we just read about. Some people think that the moon was a an ancient spaceship that was put into our orbit to sustain human life. I, mean, I don't know if I subscribe to that, but I, I wouldn't. It's actually, the I wouldn't. The way that some of these occultists worship like Saturn and other shit and the moons around yeah. them and stuff, uh, none of that would fucking shock me. None of that would shock me at all. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's actually really, really uh, plausible. And that's the thing with I think a, a lot of these things too. If if I may real quickly, is that a, a lot of these things are highly plausible now, even more so because of the flow of information. Now that the flow of yeah. information is out there, and we can research these things and, and look into them more, that starts to just really strip away all the bullshit. You know. Yep. But yeah, John Henry, you have more. Oh yes, sir. Fluoride, stronger teeth, or calcifying our pineal gland so that we cannot connect to each other or the universe. I talked about this with a dear friend of ours the other day, John Henry, and fluoride is a complete work. It's complete bullshit. In fact, they just came out with, I don't know if any of you or anybody else in the audience saw this this week, that antidepressants don't really work the way they were supposed to, and Alzheimer's medicine doesn't fucking work the way it's supposed to. Well, what about the shit they put in your water that you're drinking every fucking day? What if that doesn't work the way it's supposed to? Schedule one drug... Uh, distributed in mass. Yeah, disgusting. But uh, I'll just yeah. I'll just say this: um, the first to actually put it in their water supply was the Germans, circa World War II. So, what does that tell you? Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, guys. Next question. So, Joe Biden. We've seen him in a few press conferences. Uh, he is now <laughs> tested positive for COVID again. Thank you, Paxlovid. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Joe Biden in some of his videos does not blink a single time whilst talking for minutes. Is that Joe Biden, A, a body double, uh, B, CGI, uh, or three uh, or C, an android of some sort? <laughs> I'm going to give it to Chris first. <laughs> Just because I hear him staring over there. I know he's got some. Two words. Crypt Keeper. <laughs> yes. It's just a corpse that's like weekend of Bernie's. They just that's stick all they did. Yeah. If we imagine, remember all the other puppets before him? That's the logical is. conclusion. Weekend at Bernie's in the White House. Yes. Joe I got Biden, him right here. The meat puppet. <laughs> Do exactly. you see the screen? <laughs> the guy never blinks. Not one crypt, time. It's a Crypt Keeper. He's I got old Joe right it's here on the screen nice. for us with those wide ass lie, wide ass eyes. He's not sniffing anybody. It's weird. Not, oh yeah. Well, he can't. He can't smell because of the COVID. So that's that's his personal well, health. Well, and he's dead to smell too. So. <laughs> I had a theory, honestly, that he's a pod person, like sort of like a clone, and like in multiplicity. I don't know if you ever seen that movie. Uh, my where- Steve. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> so every time they make the, 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 the <laughs> yeah. or a book, something nice. I got a wallet. I like that one. I got a wallet. <laughs> if he just did that as a press conference, it's yeah. just the fucking lines from, from the retard clone of multiplicity. I that would be a that. better and more put together speech than most of his shit ever has been. You touch my peppy, Steve. And less <laughs> so plagiarized, Steve. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> that fucking face. That's our leadership, folks. Just remember that. If you don't think that there's fucking aliens and dragons beyond an ice wall and this motherfucker's the president, rethink your shit. <laughs> I like pizza. Yes, I like pizza. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love All right, John Henry. Uh, what, what's the next question there? All right. So we're going to talk about the Amazon rainforest and also Atlantis. So, you know, in Ooh. recent years, they've used uh, some type of uh, sound technology like bats use to see that actually the Amazon rainforest at once was a great civilization uh, with irrigation ducts and everything under all of the foliage. So I'm going to talk about that and also places like Atlantis. So do you believe that we did in the past have very advanced civilizations uh, that somehow were destroyed by whether it was a natural disaster or what, whatever it may be? Oh, I'll take it first here. Uh, if you don't mind, Chris, yeah, uh, yeah. totally fucking plausible. Like, not only totally fucking plausible, but like, okay, so not to bring up Silas again, but like, when you talk about the fall of civilizations here, when we're looking at the fall of our own potentially here, right? Um, And we see the patterns all throughout history. There is, without a doubt, like, that we could, that everything that we have right now, every technological advancement, every societal advancement, cultural advancement, um, everything can go to shit. Like, tomorrow. Like, John Henry, earlier, you sent me uh, another. uh, in another instance, we might have another World War Three going on in fucking Serbia in like mm-hmm. two seconds. We we could be, in fact, they could drop an EMP right now, and uh, the, all of the internet connection goes down, and we're all dark again, right? Well, and we you lose know, one all of the things this information. That's, uh, scary about EMPs, and uh, they refer to those as solar flares when sure. trying to, you know, misdirect everybody. Is that mm-hmm. keep in mind if there was in fact an EMP, we would be taken back to the 1800s within about 60 days. But also to back my point up there too, John Henry, we talked about it in the past on the show that people are so fucking stupid right now. We couldn't make fire. We couldn't make anything. We couldn't survive anywhere without any uh, any books or vid- YouTube videos to show us how to do it. So like in an instant, if we lost that, yeah, the whole society would collapse. We'd have to start all over yeah. again. And there the fact no that that could have happened. in the woods with wolves and coyotes. Hell no. I just say, I just refer to the end of John Carpenter's sequel, Escape from LA. At the very end, yeah. an EMP hits and Snake Plissken just has a one match and a couple of cigarettes. And he goes, welcome to the human race. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love it. it. All yeah. right. Follow up question to that. Who and how were the pyramids built and built by? <laughs> Chris, I'll give it to you first, man. Oh, man. I could get in trouble with this answer. Um, well, I, I'm i not going to pretend like I have a good idea, but I know for a fact that they can't replicate the preciseness of it or, you know, with our machinery now, I, I don't think. Um, they had to have some kind of uh, technology that was lost to the ages. Um, I'll just say aliens. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm kind of leaning towards that, and I'm, I'm even skeptical of aliens. But the reason why I'm leaning towards it, like, because, like you mentioned, Chris, like I've I've watched document, not that it fucking matters. I know, but yeah, you you watch something and you take it for granted that it's real. But that I've watched documentaries that they have tested a lot of modern, like laser fucking web, like 
laser tools. Not That's laser what I'm weapons, talking Probably about. laser yeah. weapons and yeah. other shit like that, you know, on him too. Um, and, and then just like all the surrounding uh, occult stuff surrounding it too, like the way the Nazis went after that stuff. And then also recently too, after like the, the summer of rage or whatever the fuck it was a couple of years ago. Remember with John Henry when they, they, how they treated all that shit where they had mummies like being eaten by fucking uh, uh, just stray dogs in the street because of the, those places were looted and stuff like mm-hmm. that, like yep. destroying that and that connection and that history too. Like yeah. I said about iconoclasm earlier, Smashing I think that's a horrible sledgehammers. It's an offense to humankind. Mm-hmm. Like as just Chris brought up brilliantly, welcome to the human race. Like if we lost all of our culture, if we lost all of our connection to that stuff. We'd have to rebuild ourselves as a human race. And I think that the pyramids are actually a perfect example of that, that we had to rebuild back from there, from learning what the fuck batteries are, right? Learning, learning how to move things, learning how to uh, use the, the sun and the stars to know what the fucking direction things. Do you know anybody that can even do that? <laughs> you, know? Oh. <laughs> you know, so like, it's, just, it's amazing. I actually do. Hell yeah. <laughs> because I do know people that have ridden um, uh, on the giant catamarans and outriggers from Hawaii to Tahiti only using the stars. That is badass, man. Now, I've met a lot of people in my life. Uh, I meet more people in a year of my life because of my line of work than most people will ever meet in their entire life. Uh, and the fact that I only know two people that are capable of that, that's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Well, don't they say we're in like the third well, didn't they? Say, I don't know who they are, but maybe it was on an old Joe Rogan uh, episode that we've already had. As uh, Chris, beings. that's my that's my preferred pronoun. So they is me. <laughs> He's joking. <laughs> no, I was trying to come hey, up smart ass like comeback. Like, I can't think of um, I've heard that we're in like the third or fourth extinction or something or like we almost come to the verge of killing off our species like a few times and now we're in like the fourth cycle does this uh ring any bells or anything you know what i mean like we i yeah. mean there, there might be something to that especially the 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 number three um but then also in, i mean in, in other games of life like pac-man and mario and others you're only given three <laughs> lives so i mean if we're on the third life here that's probably your ass. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like when they say like we come on, like like we were talking about Atlantis and uh, ancient Egypt and all the Mayans just disappeared out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. um, it's like we've almost, you know, we've come to like some kind of extinction point where only a couple of hundred human beings were left to have to repopulate the earth all over again. And we've had to restart like two or three times. Oh, this is our final run. This is, this is, this is Elvis going to Hawaii. You know, like after, after this, it's all dying on the fucking toilet. Yeah. In uh, Africa, there was a little over 3000 humans left on the earth. Yeah. That's for sure. And, you know, one of the unique things about the pyramids is, you know, as you talk about the Aztecs, so throughout Central and South America, and then obviously the ones in Egypt, is, um, you know, the precision on all of those was about identical. Uh, yeah. the angles and they had the to same. have been communicated with each other somehow. In my mind, I, I feel like they, they had to have communicated somehow with each other. Agreed. Yeah. All right, guys. Last one to wrap up the Ride the Lightning round. This will now be phrased in one word that is also a question. And that word is frazzle drip. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> Just because of the way he reacted, Chris, I'm going to give it to you first as our guest. I, w- I want to hear what you have to say. I didn't know anyone else 
I didn't know too many people knew what have ever heard that phrase before. Uh, yeah, I I wouldn't put it past Hillary, uh, you know, ripping off a, a young child's face and wearing the skin as a funny hat on video on uh, someone's laptop that whether it's Hunter Biden or uh, Anthony Weiner or whoever. Um, yeah, pure snuff. Yeah. And, and, and also just to bring it up to uh, Chris, you sent us a couple articles about the Scorpions ex basis talking about snuff films and shit. I have, uh, can't wait to jump into some of that, but no, uh, on the, on the frazzle drip question. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the types of things that we've talked about on this show, just since, since we started it, the types of things we've uncovered in our own research, let alone the, the work that other people have done about things like this is that. It, uh, we take, and I've said it over and over again on this show, and I'll probably continue to say it on the future shows too. We take so much for granted. We have such a normalcy bias. We do, we do the critical mistake in communicating and thinking that people do where they think that people think and act and have the same moral foundations that you do. You know, you operate on that basis of maybe an altruism that the other people out there are good, you know, and then, and, and that you can trust them that we live in a high trust society and you shake someone's hand that they, they mean well to you. But all, I mean, these people that we talk about on this show, John Henry, they're not those fucking people. They may not be reptiles. They may not worship the things that, you know, some people claim that they worship, but they certainly ain't regular fucking human beings. Nope. So if they're if they're out there and they're, that's something like that, that they're capable of doing that, shit, when we talk about Madison Cawthorn and talking about orgies, when we talk about you know some of the, the Bohemian Grove stuff that was brought up earlier today, all those things were like floated out there like they were just, there's no fucking way that that's real, but there's no refutation. Nope. So without, refuta- without proper refutation of it, it it's... It's completely plausible. Yeah, mind. I mean, it's a lot of darkness out there. You think about, um, you know, the director of The Exorcist and how the girl that starred in that movie, how she died. Or no, I'm sorry, not The Exorcist, Poltergeist, my apologies. Heather O'Rourke, which I also, yeah. read, I sent an article to you. Yep, we, we got a whole bunch about movies in Hollywood, <laughs> John Henry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forward all these to you. Okay, it's, good. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the, their depravity knows no bounds. So, yeah. guys, thank you for participating in the Ride the Lightning round. We had some great answers there. I'm glad I threw you for a loop on that last one, Chris. <laughs> yeah, frazzle drip. <laughs> it just, it just, it just, it, I sent that to Don a long time ago, and he thought I uh, it was a, a fake thing, like an onion thing. And I'm like, no, nah, it could be a dark web thing, you know? Yeah. That's what I'm saying about, I mean, anything like that is so easily dismissed, but those are usually the most insidious things, aren't they, John Henry? Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Isn't there somebody that's supposed to make you feel like he doesn't exist that we've heard of? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So, but on that note, uh, Chris, uh, would you like to say anything else to our audience before we wrap things up for the evening? Yeah, I just wanted to say flush once for the bull, twice for the roar. Thank you. Oh, uh, you were breaking up there, man. Can you can you repeat that? I want to get that. <laughs> I said, just just a, a little public service announcement. Flush once for the bulk, twice for the remainder. Thank you. <laughs> hey, that is brilliant advice, actually. Yeah, that's gotten me in a lot of trouble in the past. I've 
flooded a few places. But uh, <laughs> I just want to say, um, you know, thank you everyone for sticking with us through this uh, podcast. If you're still listening, um, if you haven't yet, please subscribe uh, wherever you're listening there. Uh, we are on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, Brighteon, and Spotify, and a few others that we've mentioned. But uh, also uh, follow up with us on uh, the socials. I'm, I'm bad at you know, remembering to tell people to do this, but definitely get at us on Instagram. Um, and, and then also, uh, John Henry has something for us real quick too, in a second, but, uh, I'd say, uh, new prisoner six on Twitter right now is probably one of the better places to find me. And, uh, you can also find Chris, uh, Graves on there too. Uh, it, what is it? Uh, C Graves mass hole, right? <laughs> yeah. Very classy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's how we do i mean I like we have we have titles called bill gates's sloppy fat tits so we're not we're not really worried about <laughs> classiness here have you seen the thumbnail of tedros being shit out of a monkey <laughs> yes i love the monkey's face the monkey's that's face fantastic. made it. a great job yeah, on that sir. absolutely <laughs> but uh john henry you had something for us before we wrap no, up. i just want to say thank you to both of you guys thank you chris for jumping on and um you know this has been really fun man I, i've i've genuinely thoroughly enjoyed this and you know we talk about so many serious topics all the time and you know there's always a lot of tension in that because these things are very impactful on us you know not that the things that we haven't discussed tonight aren't in some way somehow you know whether it's again building that construct of the world we live in but um you know tonight my, my hope was that we were just going to have a lot of fun and and uh, I certainly feel that we accomplished that and, you know, hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I do. I hope all the listeners really enjoyed it. And, uh, thanks man. You know, I needed that. Sometimes it's good to step away from that serious heavy load, uh, that we always carry, you know, and Chris and you being an absolute expert level researcher, man, I, it's, it's easy to get buried underneath all of those things. So, you know, it's uh, it's critical that we all have a chance to take a break, man, have some fun, say some silly shit, laugh with friends. And, uh, you know, uh, I hope that this sets an example for everybody. So I just hope you guys had uh, as, as good of a time as I did. So thank you to both you guys. Well, it's always good never to have to take heavy loads. So, you know, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to do this again, guys, if, you, if you'll have me back. <laughs> oh, we'd love to have you, man. Oh yeah, we we should definitely do a part two to this at some point um, soon. And then I, I was gonna say, yeah, the, I'm I'm really happy with uh, being able to do a show like this because we always try and we strive here at the New Prisoners to kind of present a different perspective than what you would get on other alternative media shows like us. And you know, and not not to harp on anybody for you know being unoriginal or something like that, but. Let them let, let them try and match up to some of the shit that we got in this week's source list. I'll just say that. Uh, so, but with that though, uh, folks, uh, thank you for uh, attending. Uh, please uh, come back again soon. And um, until we meet again, and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. Thank you for listening to the new prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our Minds page and Substack, or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us, or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, and remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email number 6 at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash 
the new prisoner number six slash support. There, you can make a monthly donation of $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99. We also have a Subscribe Star, where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.